0: Ladies and gentlemen, our next event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 60-minute time limit.
1: I'm- This is where the big boys play, huh? This is where the big boys play. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at Nation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world.
2: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Where the Big Boys Play. It's episode 76. I'm here with Chad Campbell, and it's top 50 time Chad. Are you ready, my friend?
0: I am pumped. I'm excited to see... uh... What each of our lists looked like at the end of the day. Um, we got a lot of good feedback on the first episode of the series. Um, I know it was, it was kind of a labor of love compiling my list, but something I was really excited about because um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't think, unless I'm wrong, that I've seen... I mean, usually you have lists kind of confined to a certain... Uh, promotion decade um, time style something year uh, so doing all time is kind of an arduous task that we've uh, tried to take head on par
2: you're right actually and I was I was just thinking like I haven't really seen too many lists like the ones that we're doing here um, and I'm and I would, I'm wondering if it matches towards the upper, you know, like our top 20s, for example, would actually be reflected if lots of people did their list? Would, would we see a similar top 20s? Or, I, or are our top 20s highly individual? So there we I, go. I really think, um
0: well, I think that depends on the type of stuff you've watched, whether, I mean, just for me and personal personalists, I don't think it's a surprise that I have a mixture worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, if you're WWF, WCW, ECW, uh, NWA predominantly, probably not. But I think if you've tried to watch most of the highly touted matches over the years, I would say my top 10 shouldn't have that many surprises. Uh, but we, sh- we shall see.
2: All right. So, uh, you have first, Chad, um, and it's number 50.
0: Alright, my number 50 is a match I watched this year, and I think it was only the uh, the second time I've ever seen this match, and my first time that I watched it was probably about ooh, 12 years ago, maybe. It was right when I was first getting into Japanese wrestling, and uh, when I first got into Japanese wrestling, at that point in time, it was all about the uh, New Japan Juniors and the, the Four Pillars. Uh, So this is a juniors match It is Shinjiro Otani Versus um, El Samurai And the date on that is January the 20th 1996 Uh, I I talked a little bit About these guys uh, Last time Otani as going through 1996 currently Otani is probably my wrestler of the year uh, Worldwide for that year And I can't see him Dropping too far off He's just had a ton of spectacular matches, and this is kind of the crown jewel. And guy, like I spoke last time, that's real steady, but can has these few performances throughout the nineties where he really rises to the occasion. And uh, I think this is just a masterful match and one that's gotten a lot of love over the
2: years. Yeah, no, I haven't seen this one, Chad. Nineties um, New Japan. Uh, Like like I said last time, an unexplored country for me. Um, What's the kind of junior style like? uh, Would you say if you had to describe it?
0: It's I mean I think with Liger it's different kind of with him at the forefront. Um, Otani is really a guy uh, throughout '96. Like I said last time, where he, he he's kind of in search for that big win. Like, you know he has it in him, but he lets his emotions get the best of him. Uh, in this match, it has his father kind of famously looking on um, at him and disappointingly at moments, and like a proud papa at other moments. It's a really cool dynamic. Uh, but, but um, I mean, I, I, th- I think in some regards it's unfair to say that I think in recent times, the New Japan juniors from the 90s may have taken a little bit of a dip uh, Mm -hmm. where people have kind of found the heavyweight stuff with Hashimoto and really took to that, which that is great, too. And I do think at a certain point in time, especially when I first... Got on the, uh, started looking at Death Valley Driver. Like I said, it was all about the New Japan Juniors. I never even sold out anything with the New Japan heavyweights until I went through the 1990 years proper. Um, but, uh... But, but I, I think there's a lot of just great, great matches. I mean, I have a smattering of them that have made my top 100, and this isn't even my top juniors match from the uh, 1990s. So I, I think it's something certainly to seek out um, if you haven't.
2: Well, <clears throat> my number 50 is a match that we've already discussed, Chad. It's Jumbo Saruta and Kenta Kabashi versus Tenryu and Stan Hansen from 71589 um and we talked about that right what,
0: yes right. yes that is one that uh i i think you know that, that that's a match that i don't think it's talked about enough though actually
2: could you say it's Kabashi's first great match
0: yeah oh yeah i i think i mean i've seen some kabashi from 88 and 89 but this, much like how the match you talked about last time The uh, baby bull Leon White Versus Stan Hansen from 86 That kind of feels like Vader's first great match uh, I think this feels the same way for Kabashi
2: Okay, so you're 49 My number 49
0: is a match you'll be getting to uh, Probably in the next few months and that is Toshiaki Kawada versus Kenta Kobashi from Um, 6-12-1998. This is an interesting match. Uh, A lot of people kind of speak to this match as... I mean, I'll I'll quote a a day in his 90s All Japan pimpin' post. He talks about this was the last time the old ghost of Budokan rose, you know, kind of to the highs of the mid 90s and the wrestlers really reached that top top level they were having during the glory days Uh, I kind of disagree with that as you'll see other matches on my list but uh but this this is a fantastic match and one that's actually gotten a little bit of a debate in the past couple weeks on Pro Wrestling Only whether Kobashi was carried or not by Kawada, and I say absolutely not. Uh, I think I touched on it last time, but going through 1998, Kobashi was my Wrestler of the Year. I really think he was only challenged by Tamura in that regard, and I thought he absolutely hung with Kawada in this match.
2: Now, why would people say that he was carried? I, I, well <laughs> that seems I mean it seems ridiculous to me when, when, whenever anybody says that a great wrestler is carried
0: yeah well <laughs> I, okay so there, I think there's a couple of caveats for that um, one of the I guess more vain caveats is somebody like JDW is a Kawada fanboy first and foremost so that's that's just something that I think plays into opinions there. Um, But on the other hand, there is a notion. Kobashi in 98 to me is an interesting character study because there is a notion as we talked about with other people that have watched a lot of this stuff that Kobashi really dives into excess in his matches in 1998 Mm -hmm. and some of his worst qualities that would kind of plague him and certain people's eyes throughout the rest of his career really kind of rear their head first in 1998. Um, so I think the fact that uh, this is kind of portrayed as them doing a lot, but Kawada reigning in Kobashi's bad tendencies is yeah. uh, is sort of where they're going for, for the other viewpoint. My,
2: uh, I, I would uh for me, a carry job is all about work rate rather than about. I don't. I'm not sure if you can be carried in a psychological way like that. It Seems like an odd way to phrase it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Uh, I well. I mean, uh, I disagree from both uh, ways, but that's yeah. Sort of where that comes from.
2: Okay. Well, I I'd, I'd look forward uh, to get in there. I mean, I I I've already seen um, a little tendency towards excess from Kabashi already. <laughs> Um, It just seems to be the way his style is geared, right? Yes. He'll usually do four moves when two... When most guys might do two. Um, But what can you do? That's the style. Like, the style is only ever going to keep on escalating, right? Because that makes, like... I don't know. I can see all Japan going that way already, from what I've seen. And you know where where am I in my viewing? 95 now?
0: Yeah, you're... um I think I think the first match you're viewing is ninety five. Yeah, the on the next show, yeah. or right at the end of ninety four. I think there's one match right at the tail end of ninety four. But yeah, you're right at the peak of ninety five.
2: Well, it, it makes sense. I mean, you tell the di- turn the dial dial to ten. There's only two ways you can go. You can either try to keep on trying to dial it up even more, um, or at some point you have to decide well enough is enough and try like. Make an con- effort to dial it down again, like uh, in a way WWE have done over the past however long it was. You, you, do you remember when there, when there was the big slowing down in WWE? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: so, I, I, I think that's something that I guess happens, but um, yeah, I, I'll I'll come to point to this point in time where I think that really takes place, but we haven't gotten there yet but it'll be a match i discuss coming up
2: okay so my number 49 pick um maybe controversial in two different types of fans eyes (laughs) um wait until you hear where it is chad it's dory funk jr versus jack briscoe from february of um uh actually it's not it's from uh yes february the 8th 1972 this is from the bayfront center in florida uh, a famous match. Um,
0: is this the uh, hour draw?
2: This is an hour-long draw, not the Japanese match, the one from Florida. Right. Um, hailed by many as the as the match of that generation, as you know, it was seen as like the flare uh, steamboat of that era. Um, like, so if you ask Dave Meltzer, you know, what's the best match of the seventies? He'd probably say uh, Dory Funk Jr. versus Jack Briscoe. It was a banner feud, of course, for the NWA uh for many years um and the signature feud for both of these guys in their career um now i've actually watched this match twice chad uh once I watched it uh live with with will on a podcast yes. um and he <laughs> i wanna say he went into that match with an agenda, okay, and he kind of um you know I was having to watch this match while arguing with him why it's better than some random Dick Murdoch match we watch in fact it was Dick Murdoch versus Pat O'Connor and that was the whole idea of the show is that we were going to watch both of them and he basically just wanted to prove that Dick Murdoch was better than Dory Funk um I don't actually think the comparison is in any way warranted uh I mean that's just a nothing nothing match that happened Murdoch versus O'Connor whereas this is a you know a match for the ages type thing uh it also is a match that benefits from commentary um Chad uh, you have Jack uh, there sitting with uh, Gordon Soly and uh, the coach uh, John Heath and I mean one of the things that we found when we were just watching it is uh, that it seemed a bit spotty uh, for a match of this era and it is a little bit clipped from what we get but they do a very good job of explaining each and every hold each and every the rationale behind every move behind every counter And you do start to see it more like a kind of chess match, and um, I think these two had fantastic chemistry, and I'd recommend everybody go out of their way to watch this particular match. Um, uh, The easier match to get hold of is the Japanese one, for some reason, from 7-4. Which I...
0: I've watched that one, and not really
2: my... It's, uh, it's a bit on the boy. I've, I've also watched that one. I haven't written my long-form review yet, um, but it's pretty boring.
0: Yeah, I thought <laughs> the headlock went on way too long in that, where uh, there was uh, multiple segments where they were just kind of entrenched in a hold without much uh, you yeah. know, struggle or
2: this one has worked in a very different way it's a lot more it's, it's almost more of a kind of bomb fest believe it or not um, over you know 40 to 45 minutes and I, I think if you watch that you can see why it, the, not only what they were doing was considered state of the art but also why this particular feud drew So I've, I've put it in here as 49 I think is about right for it um, but I'd be interested to know what other people make of that um, match. i recommend watching it with a commentary and not watching along with me and uh, Will on that live cast because, like I said, I do think it has a... I, I do think Will kind of going into it, sh- going looking to shit on it, is not good.
0: Um, well, he's someone that's predisposed to not, like, long matches anyway. You know, I mean, he, he makes that pretty... Yeah. Well, no. I think that's fair to say. What's the exact date on that one? February the what? Yeah,
2: it's February the 8th, 1972. The 8th. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those ones that is a little bit confused around the place. Because I've also seen it as oh eight oh two seventy-two, 02, right. But I think it happened in February for sure.
0: Now, um, when you do your greatest wrestle ever, are you going to have Dory or Jack hired? Jack?
2: Oh, Jack. Easy. Uh, Jack yeah. Jack is... Um, for me, Jack Wisco is one of the just one of the I think if we had a little bit more of him on tape, he'd be in contention with the with the very, very best people.
0: Kind one in of that the, Bachwinkle grouping or
2: He's well, he's one of those guys like um Jim Brakes is another one or Billy Robinson is another one right. who for me just like the first I don't know, five, ten matches you see him you think, yes, this guy is one of the best wrestlers ever. Um. Uh. Yeah. He's just good at absolutely everything. Chad, have you seen much of him?
0: I've seen a little. Um. He's one that I really want to watch uh, more before I form an opinion because I've liked what I've seen, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I, I I don't really know right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it. I guess. People are aware of my tastes these days. <laughs> I like big performers, and Jack Briscoe is a very, very big performer in terms of, you know, if he's selling an arm, you can see him selling an arm. You know, if you were, if you were in that arena and you were sitting back in Rosette, you could see his bob head bobbing up and down, even if he was sitting in a head, headlock or a chinlock or something, because he sells without much kind of <laughs> emotion and movement. So... Anyway, shall, shall we uh, move on? What's your 48?
0: Well, that's that's actually kind of a good segue into my 48 in a lot of ways, because uh, my number 48 is the highest-ranked 1970s match I have, and it is Giant Baba versus Billy Robinson from July 24th, 1976.
2: Yeah, and that is a match that is very likely higher up on my list. Uh, which, uh, what was the date on it again, Chad? Chad, sorry?
0: I have it as July the 24th.
2: Yeah, I have that, yeah. That's okay. a fair bit higher on my list, yeah.
0: Yeah, so this was a match I watched for the first time probably about a month ago, but... uh just i think a fantastic marvelous match where everything has a purpose uh you you get baba using his size kind of flustering robinson and you really get a sense of strategy that i think sometimes you don't necessarily see where even even matches controlled with like body parts where yeah, that's a, that's a strategy, but it's more about the way he attacked the arm, or the way he, you know, showed viciousness in doing something, or targeted a limb. I really enjoy that type of wrestling. But what I loved about this match is I really got a sense of the strategizing that was going on, and how Billy had to regroup in order to gain an advantage, and Baba really used his size to to uh, keep the advantage and never. Felt like he was small. It's it's just a very good kind of chessman match of uh, back and forth where it feels like everything is a point of emphasis.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with that, Chab. I also think that I mean if you go into something describing it as a chess match, you expect it to be a lot of laying around on the mat, and that is not what happens in this match. That um, I I think that they work a lot more strikes and throws and things than you would expect of a match involving these two uh would you would you agree with that
0: well uh, see i read your review of that and i think i guess i didn't see it as as high impact as you did i mean it's certainly and that's why i wanted to talk about kind of the strategizing overall i mean yeah this is not one of these I guess, you know, I'm locked in the submission. I'm trying to find an escape. Oh, here's how I did a clever escape. It's not that type of match. It's basically, you know, like Billy trying to knock down the giant any way he can um, through the use of strikes or bombs or other ways, but I I thought Baba... It. it I, I really got a sense in the match that for every three high impact moves that Billy threw Baba's way, it only took one. You know, for Baba to regain that advantage.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I can. Uh, I can see that. Um, and uh, you know, ba- Baba. We, as we talked about, is so smart and everything. He, everything he does. But pretty much every match um, that you see of uh, him, high profile one of this era that I've seen psychology has really been top notch and that's why he's going to um i don't know how high he's going to go chad but definitely top half and maybe even top 30 for me so uh there we are so what's uh where are we 48
0: yes 48
2: yeah so my 48 is a match that we reviewed together chad back in the day uh this is Lex Luger and Barry Windham versus Arn Anderson and Tuddy Blanchard. Uh from three twenty seven eighty eight. That's Clash One, I believe. Yes. Now uh do you remember this match?
0: <laughs> yeah, this was one that I had really high. If you look at our top uh our eighties mm-hmm. um uh, when we did our end of decade, I had this one extremely high. And I, I got to say, Parv, this is kind of a cliche, but when I thought about my top 100, this was one of the last three cuts that I had.
2: It's ridiculous. How is this match not making your list? It's, come I had, on now. I
0: actually rewatched it, and um, I I, I uh, put it down a quarter star to where it was four and a half stars.
2: Oh, uh, so. no. <laughs> No, no, no. Yes,
0: couldn't, couldn't.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, if you haven't seen uh, Clash 1, I would uh, suggest that you go and watch Clash 1 as soon as you can. Um, This is a great match. You have, um, uh, you know, all-time great tag team for me, uh, Arn and Tully um, taking on uh, Luger and Wyndham. And I love Tully. D- D- Luger doing this little uh, baby babyface uh, stretch here. Now, remind me, Chad, is there a turn at the end of this match? Or,
0: no, uh, that the is the match they have about a month later. This
2: is when they win the title, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah. And they get that huge pop. Yes. Um, I I mean, I think this match still is underrated a good bit. I mean, even now, like, it, it feels like Clash 1, and I mean, I guess that's just from the... Uh, you know, from the the passage of time that we're 20, what, 27 years removed from Clash 1, but it still feels like that uh, that Flair Sting is still kind of the number one thing talked about when you mentioned Clash 1.
2: <laughs> it's actually like the number three match on that show.
0: Yeah, right, which is, I think is the number three match for both of us on that show, so it's pretty, pretty hilarious in that regard.
2: Yeah, okay. Um... Well, what's your 47? Our
0: number 47 is a match that happened a couple of years ago. It's Negro Casas versus Blue Panther. Uh, the date of this one is March the 1st, 2012. Uh, they had a really good feud, um, actually, uh, with the. Uh, and we should mention, and I don't, I don't even know how to attempt to uh, do his handle, but COM on Pro Wrestling Only, S I O E M. He did that marathon, you know, the week of matches, and he's actually going to be doing a mini one for uh, for uh, our top 100, which is really cool. If you're listening to this recently, it'll be, uh, what, Saturday? The-
2: yeah, I, th- I think um, the 20th. Oh, uh, the twentieth.
0: Nineteenth, the nineteenth, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So so that's cool. But uh when I popped in there this past week I watched the lightning match between these two in January and the March match here it's it's hair versus hair and to me it kinda amped up everything and uh, the stakes were really high and everything was very interesting you you get brawling you get wrestling two old guys still not willing to give up their spot uh interesting dynamic and then a kind of unique ending with what happens here i don't want to spoil it but you know a a pretty fun ending at the very end
2: right well okay one of uh many uh Matches uh, that I need to catch up on, and maybe I can in that whole marathon session, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so, my 47 is uh, Masao and Kawada against Jumbo and Tawe from 9.3090. Now, have we discussed this before? Yes,
0: I uh, had that um, a little bit lower.
2: Right, okay, so we, we talked about it on part one. Yes. Um, And in the interest of time, we need to race through, Chad. So let's uh, carry on. 46.
0: Okay. Let me just highlight that one. And my number 46 is, uh, I think, what will be the highest junior match. I talked about there was one higher. And it's El Samurai versus Jushin Liger. date on this is, I think, 430-1992. Let me just make sure. Yeah, 430-1992. This is the... uh, the culmination of the top of the super juniors, best of the super juniors. This this is a match that has a lot of hate. You talked about kind of how the uh, junior matches are in the nineties, and that's why some matches like this are very different. Where Samurai is just a complete ass in this match. There's no other way to describe it. He spits at Liger. He's just a complete jerk to him, uh, in with him. Uh, so. Samurai is just uh, ferocious in this match, just killing Liger. He's a complete jerk the whole match, and it's sort of Liger's centerpiece, uh, ace of the juniors' performance. So this is one I think you'd really like, part.
2: You're very, very high on Liger, aren't you, Chad? Is he going to be very high on
0: Liger? I I think Liger's someone that I I think once again with the sort of the it's not I guess as popular to to uh, To be on top of the New Japan Juniors as it has been in years past. I think he's someone that may get passed over a little bit very interestingly ever. But, I mean, match after match after match in the 90s he had that was great. So Yeah. Um, and, and he has such a high window. I mean, we're talking about from 88 to even when they did the New Japan versus Noah feud. In the early 2003, that's when he's you know elite top ten worldwide worker, and even now to this present day, he's still able to have a good match. Uh, you know, twelve years removed from when I guess he was at his peak.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, I just remember seeing that you were so high on him, It made me think, well, maybe Liger's a guy I need to pay special pay special attention to before the end of uh, before the deadline. You know, because. Um I'm guess I'm guessing you're saying that as a guy who's like Charles who's watched a lot of the nineties. Is is Charles as high on him as you are?
0: Do you uh, know? Charles is a big proponent of him too, and so is Steven. I know both of them are uh really high on Iker.
2: So so my forty six, uh another match that we've discussed uh, before a couple of times, Chad, it's Arn Anderson again with uh, Larry Zabisco. Taking on Ricky Steamboat and uh Dustin Rhodes. Uh, this is from eleven, nineteen, ninety one, Clash seventeen, I believe. Yes. Um uh quintessential uh match. We I mean we discussed it. You you picked it something ridiculous, like ninety nine or something, didn't you?
0: No, I had it higher than that. Uh <laughs> let me see where it was. <laughs>
2: I mean, come on! This is one of the best uh, tag <laughs> matches in U.S. wrestling history, uh, yeah. right here. <laughs> sure,
0: let me uh, let me just do it uh,
2: a- now. Given that we discussed this before, Todd, I just wanted to say real quick that um, you know we live within a what we like to call the PWO bubble, where this match is very, very highly rated. Um, but I ventured out, you know, uh, I, you know, the internet is a big place, and sometimes I go and just. You know, just have a little look around what's happening elsewhere. And there was this guy who was basically going through WCW pay per views, doing reviews. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Let's just let's just see where he lines up. And he gave this match, for example, three and a half stars, Chad. Um, And I I just made it just made me interested that in some like corners, nobody would think of this match as being anything special, anything in particular. and I'm just wondering, like, why why that is? Uh, what would a guy like that be looking for? I wonder. <laughs> um, in his in
0: his yeah, I don't know. I mean, this has good action storytelling. I don't, it, it... Yeah.
2: So I, I, I'm just I'm just thinking that maybe maybe he's somebody who's like I don't know. Maybe he's coming in from watching like current New Japan, or maybe he's like big on the heavy heavy work rate like uh, angle stuff or something. I don't know, but uh, I just thought it was pretty interesting that um, that uh, he was down on this one. Um, this is phenomenal, uh, as we've discussed before. Um, I guess we we didn't really talk about uh, steamboat and Dustin. Uh, we talked mainly about Arne's facial reactions and so on. Right. Um, you've got a like a per- per- pair of perfect face and perils there against uh, a really. Um, too short-lived tag team in the in the Enforcers, on and Larry. So, Absolutely. Um, let's uh, let's move on though. Forty-five.
0: I, I, I had it at number sixty-three, so not that much. Low.
2: Okay, that's that's it's, forgivable, Chad. It's forgivable.
0: It, it may not be forgivable when you hear my number forty-five. <laughs> um, this is one that <sighs> this this match kind of rechanged my thinking on rating matches. Uh, Because I've always said, like, with the post-match angle, which there's a match higher up on the list that I think greatly benefits from the post-match angle. Um, But I've always said, like, if the principles of the match are in the post-match angle, I kind of combine it all together into one package. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: a week and a half ago, I was watching uh, one of the 96 discs, and I came across Ric Flair, Chris Benoit, and Steve Mongo Mick Michael versus Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage. It's from uh, July twenty nineteen ninety six Nitro. And I <laughs> okay, I think the, the first of all, the match is a lot of fun. I don't want that to be downgraded. Like the match just at itself is probably like a three and a half star match. Um, where it, it's it's kind of they you know they'd had this feud Savage and Flair hated each other and Sting and Luger finally are kind of on the same page and trust each other so there's a lot of fun brawling the crowd's hot Savage and Flair get into a food fight it's it's kind of in in a lot of ways a fun uh, kind of nostalgia trip down nostalgia lane uh, with. Kind of, you know, it. I guess it feels like a Thanksgiving dinner at family with the people kind of arguing with each other and getting under each other's skin. But then nice. Jimmy Hart comes out and says there's something going on in the back, and Lex Luger, uh, which is so brilliant, is the first one that takes Jimmy serious, and that's when we realize the NWO has came onto the scene. Um, so, so what transpires after that is about 15 minutes of I think the best angle in the entire 1990s of pro wrestling that I've seen. Where this is the kind of infamous uh, dart throw of Rey Mysterio, but everything about this part I think is so no perfect. They did everything exactly the way it should be they crafted this tremendous out of control scene and there's just so many highlights where Sting and Flair are forced to, to uh, share a hospital ambulance ride with their friends um, mm. you know these longtime NWA you know stalwarts kind of the face of the NWA and WCW having to kind of co-mingle themselves in these worst circumstances uh, Bobby Heenan Refusing to do commentary because he feels unsafe in the environment. Randy Savage jumping on top of a limo that's screeching away. It, it's just, it is. When we get to this eventually part, I'd love to watch this and we can dissect it frame by frame because it's cinematic and it really resonated with me. And because the angle is honestly, I think a top three angle I've ever seen in wrestling. The way it was performed, I, I ended up giving the match five stars because those people that are in that match are the key, some of the key figures in this angle. And uh, as of right now, it's my match of the year in 1996. There is a match oh. later on that I know I like better. But uh, uh, can you
2: can you remind us who comes out? What what, what actually happens uh, when the when you said the NWO are around? Who, who comes out doing the, uh...
0: Well, this this is where, um... Sting... It's, uh... Hall and Nash are just kind of in the back. And you get American male Scotty Riggs, who gets beat up with a baseball bat. Then you get Rey Mysterio diving off the trailer and getting thrown into the trailer by Nash. And, uh... They they go into the then they go into a limo and the limo speeds away with Randy Savage, uh, chasing after him and jumps on top of the limo. But after the fact, um, you have uh, another scene, just another great scene, is Rey Mysterio. They take off his mask and Tony Schiavone really gets over the you know the the uh, the magnitude of that of him you know having his mask taken off. Based on his injuries, and Ray is adamant that he sent that he saw four guys, which up to this point we only know about Hogan, Hall, and Nash. Uh, it is just it's amazing. It's it's cinematic for sure.
2: I'm not sure I've seen that in full. You know, yeah. That, well, that I, I mean,
0: I mean, I, you know, the thing with Mysterio is kind of infamous on a like a a gif. You know, just to see. Mm. But I had just forgotten how absolutely fantastic. I mean, the show screeches to a halt to where the fact the live crowd kind of starts chanting boring. Um, they, they basically punted this whole show as a really ballsy decision by WCW because uh, based on the entries, the main event was ruined. Uh, Arn Anderson was supposed to be in the main event and he got attacked, so the main event was ruined and they ended up throwing out like prelim matches and non important matches. So they basically just forfeited the whole show to get over this angle at the halfway point.
2: Now, Charlie kind of swing two ways on this whole including the angle in, in the match deal, uh, here. Um, on the one hand, there is one particular match that has a huge amount of post-match in it that is coming up in my list, as you're yeah. well aware. On the other hand, there are some matches that are basically five-star angles, okay? Um, one of the ones that would spring to mind would be Jerry Lawler versus Ric Flair in Memphis. Have you seen that match? Yes, that's uh, that's one that, yeah. I uh, That is, like, absolutely, like, one of the best angles you'll ever see. It's just off the charts. It's obviously like a five-star segment, okay? But all the stuff with Flair and Lawler in the studio, I can't count as part of the match, okay? So that's one that isn't on my list for that reason, but would be in my list of, like, top 100 wrestling moments, say, okay? Another one would be, like, Ric Flair versus Ted DiBiase from Mid-South where Dick Murdoch gives uh, Ted the brain buster on the concrete. And that, again, to me, is more of an angle than a than a match. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But it's a five-star kind of segment, in my mind. Also not on my list, okay? So I, I kind of draw that distinction where, well, as you'll see when, when I actually get to it, the one... The one time where I've kind of broken that rule on my list is one where it kind of like seemed like you cannot really take the match away from the from the post match they all kind of work as one unit and I'm wondering if your pick here has crossed that line Chad have you been controversial in that way
0: i I, I mean i I just this like I said it kind of made me rethink everything and I think this is right on the brink of that. But the people in the match are so important to what happened. Like I said before, you know, in the beginning, it was kind of like your fun family bickering back and forth. But once the NWO is on the scene, it's like, oh, well, you know, you know, you, I'll make fun. I'm the only person that can make fun of my family yeah. mentality. You know, it's like we may not like each other all the time, but you're not going to come in uh, in here and just, you know, do this. Uh, so there's type of that kind of proud mentality that's also, and it's it's a it's just an interesting thing. I, I mean, I don't think anybody else has ever ranked the match itself at five stars as far as a ranking, but uh,
2: a ballsy move by you, Chad. I would say, yeah,
0: it's something I'm still unsure on, but uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now.
2: my my forty five um, is Ron Garvin taking on Ric Flair uh 122885 this is that studio match uh i absolutely love that it's the one of the most hard hitting studio matches ever and um this is i uh, like to me i gave it 5 stars i think it's the best tv match of all time which is why it's so high on my list um but uh how long does it go like 12 minutes or something
0: i, I think it's a little longer than that but it's not that long
2: yeah, I I just, I stand by. I don't know what else somebody could do in, you know, twelve fifteen minutes on TV. Ric Flair didn't actually turn up on TV doing matches that often during this era either. Um, but yeah, I just think just a perfect studio match. Um, and you can really hear those like chops echo out, <laughs> echo in that kind of studio. So um yeah this isn't on your list i take it chad
0: no not on my list but i did think it was a great match and a really fun environment with the techwood studios so well so, worth seeking out
2: yeah so i I kind of we both used our 45 to make a statement Chad. yeah kind of i like guess that. so
0: uh, <laughs> interesting
2: what about 44
0: my number 44 is um Masawa and Kabashi versus Kawada and Tawe from five twenty one nineteen ninety four. This is one you just recently reviewed, Parv. Uh you gave it five stars on the Excite series. Uh I yeah. I give it five stars. Uh actually
2: four and three quarters. What's the what's the date again? Five twenty one nineteen ninety four. Five twenty one
0: ninety four. Is that on my list? It I would hope so.
2: um okay um to be confirmed carry on
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyway this this, i think this oh yeah i do have it i do have it thank god anyway i think this is really cool and that it does change the style where you essentially have a 25 minute ending stretch here 20 to 25 minute and uh while this one didn't reach the highs of the storyline arcs that a couple of the other matches in this series with these four does. I, I think I think that's really incredible, just the quality of these four guys in their series as a whole, because they will they have four matches on my top one hundred. There's four tags. And their fifth best match is probably in my opinion, they're October 1995, which is an hour-long draw, and that's a fantastic match too. I'd probably rank that one at four and a half. Last time I watched it, how, how so, long are
2: you giving this one five stars? Trey? I, I
0: did. I did. I didn't <laughs> give it five stars initially, but I rewatched right. it and I did. Yeah, this one's five stars. Yeah. And and I think the only reason I wouldn't before was well, I liked other matches in the series a little bit better, but. I've kind of right. went beyond that nonsense. A five-star but, match is a five-star
2: match. Yeah, and this is probably like the greatest finishing stretch of all time, isn't it? The, uh, um, uh, well, the... Or, uh, one of, or one of one of the... It'd have uh, to be... You'd have to mention it, I reckon.
0: Yes, it, it's in the conversation, but I think uh, as you go through the All Japan Excite series, I imagine you may see some that eclipse it.
2: Right, okay. Um... So, my 44 is also from this series, a couple of years earlier. Um, we've got Masawa, Kawada, and Kabashi teaming up, uh, all together, versus Jumbo, Tawe, and Masafuchi. This is from 522.92, Chad. Oh, um, yes. Um, now this, like, so these, uh, these six have two matches, um... That uh, people talk about. This is, I would say, definitely the second of the two. Um, But it's still an absolute. Like, it shouldn't be slept on just because they have other matches, you know. Really, really good. Um, Can you remember this one?
0: No, this is one I need to rewatch really soon. I really like it. Um, Not on my list, but one that could be on my list if we do this in later years.
2: This has an awful lot of. So basically you know uh, Jumbo and Fuchi love to heal it up okay so we basically get all three of the baby faces Masawa Kawada and Kabashi um taking face in peril sequences doing this match um and in fact Charles on Pro Wrestling only did a really good uh, breakdown of this match where he where he goes into like each of the face in peril sequences so I'd recommend that review from our buddy Charles uh he's lost awesome, PWO if you don't know um yeah, just a really, really good match and probably my favourite um, six-man kind of combination where you have Masawa, Kawada and Kobashi on one team, um, Jumbo, Taui and uh, Fuji, on the other team with Fuji as a kind of, as I've said before, like a kind of, I don't know, Japanese Arn Anderson or something. <laughs> um, just do, Just doing this... During this little kind of uh, in-ring feud, so yeah, really good uh, match. Forty-three, Chad. Nice.
0: Um, my forty-three is Samoa Joe versus CM Punk from ten sixteen two thousand four Ring of Honor. Um, now this was the second of their uh, hour draws. They did two. This is the latter. And this is another one that I had to watch in the past week to make sure I really enjoyed it, and I still did. I I thought this was a great throwback, Um, and and really amazing that they kept the crowd that engaged and kept me as a viewer that engaged with a lot of story. I I think the first hour draw, there's a few spots in it where they rely on crowd interaction and kind of the match grinds to a halt. Uh, to pass the time, so to speak. In this hour draw, they really an hour and crafted a a really engaging story and one where you thought another hour draw may be in the picture, but they didn't necessarily telegraph it, uh, which is a pretty hard task to do, I think, especially in a smart fan hub like Ring of Honor at that time. Um, so, so this is to me the highest and best uh, Indies match of the uh, 2000s. Uh, who's
2: who's doing was that uh, in behind the scenes of Ring of Honor to do the the hour long broadways?
0: I don't. I, I, the CM Punk and Samoa Joe did a uh, a shoot interview together where they kind of talked about the whole they had three matches there they had another match that's really good also from december that only went about 31 minutes but uh now i'm trying to remember it's been a few years since i watched it but i seem to recall it was kind of they just were sort of a loss of new ideas with uh, joe as the champion because he'd been the champion for so long when they did the first hour draw and they'd kind of been running through challengers and it just sort of became a thing where they decided like uh, you know we're going an hour and they were like okay and kind of made the decision to make Punk a credible challenger uh, to Joe's title
2: so so I've got um, one other question for you Chad before we move on from this because Joe is a guy who who's who of some interest to me um, do you think if the wrestling landscape had been different let's just try to pretend I don't know WCW stayed in business, say. Let's let's not go back to territory days. Let's just say you've got the setup where it's WF and WCW, okay? Continuing, say, until now. I don't know, God knows how different wrestling history would have been. Do you think Joe's a bigger star because of it? Oh, yeah,
0: sure. Absolutely. I mean, I see no reason why... I mean Joe to me with his aura, I, I mean it was of course it was on a smaller scale just based on the indies but I, I don't think um, obviously his whole career as a whole was as good as someone like Vader but certainly in 2004-2005 his peak he's as good as any big man you know kind of this bully type character that there's been in wrestling in my opinion I mean anyone- he has that peak that's so
2: high. That, is anyone more hurt by the existence of TNA than he is?
0: The only person would be AJ Styles, I'd say. That would be a contender.
2: Yeah. No, so I, the, I I, I kind of figured you'd say that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, interesting. I might check out those matches. I'd be interested to see what they do over the course of an hour.
0: Yeah. I, I well, know. I mean, I think I think Punk is a type of guy that. Maybe in retrospect, somebody for you that has no emotional attachment to him. Um, I can see, you know, how you're lower on Money in the Bank 2011, for example, because Punk is not a very technical, proficient worker. You know, there's always a little bit of sloppiness mixed in with him, right? Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I don't. I, this is one where I kind of honestly don't think you'd be as high,
2: right? If you okay. Yeah. So my uh, <clears throat> my forty three is <clears throat> get ready for this one. It's <laughs> it's um, Dory Funk Jr. and his oh, brother okay. Terry Funk, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, plenty more of these guys to come. Um, versus uh, the Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher. This is oh, from <laughs> this is from seven fifteen seventy nine. The third match of, uh, of oh, three. So
0: not even the. First- <laughs>
2: Oh, God, this is the second. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't understand why Chad is doing this, because this, 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 I I took another look at this particular one, 79, um, just because I wanted to make doubly sure that I was as high on it as I was when I reviewed it. And I. it remains the case. Um, like, Sheik and Abdullah, okay... You got to picture the environment. It's 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 Japan. It's the late seventies. Most matches are, you know, these kind of slow like slow build psychological chess matches, and you get these two characters coming out, okay. And I mean, if you, I've described them as the Dick Dastardly and mutly of wrestling, because um, if you see them together, you know, like they both are kind of, you know. Uh, characters, I guess you'd say, like almost like cartoon characters, and they they cheat so outrageously, Chad. You, you've seen this match, right?
0: Yeah, this is actually the one I like <laughs> the, the most of uh, the, the the three. I mean, so, so this one is the. Uh, I, I I think this one to me has more wrestling and brawling that feels more organic, which uh, helped.
2: Yeah, so so this is kind of like I guess the uh, I don't I don't want to call it the blow off because it of course, feels like
0: the blow off,
2: but it's the kind of blow off in this three match trilogy right. series, and is kind of the longest match of them. Yeah. Um, now, if you think like the Sheik in nineteen seventy nine, it had basically been wrestling five minute, five minute kind of bullshit stuff for best part of 20 years at this point you know like to, to for the sheik to even go longer than 10 minutes is a is a marvel you know um and uh, just the stuff that they do uh Abdullah and the sheik in their heat sequences are, is you know i think it's a like a master i've described it as a masterpiece of drawing heat just through rule breaking through simple stuff like foreign object Play, they tag the frequency, you know, they, they're tagging in and out and in and out and in and out. Um, and it's kind of like they're making no attempt really to hide the fact that they're cheating, but the referee is still kind of still can't see it because I don't know, he's wrapped up with one of the funks or he's got his back turned or whatever. Um, really, I mean, it's simple stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen any of it done more effectively. Um, and like you know, when Bobby Heenan talks about the Sheik as his number one heel of all time, he's talking about that Sheik, not the Iron Sheik, by the way. Um, and it, it's because of stuff like this. It's because he, it's because he was able to um, generate. You know, he was every single fan in that arena had turned against Sheik and Abdullah by the end of that match. And you know what they're like in Japan? They, it's not like they boo, but they were, you know, they they were really they really hated these guys. So. Um. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I. I don't know why people aren't higher. I genuinely don't know why people aren't higher on these matches. Uh. I don't know why Chad is sighing and stuff. And of course the funks are the funks. You know. Well, I
0: think uh. I think with the with the other one that we'll get to, I'll make more of an argument. But but I think in the case of all three, it's not necessarily that. I didn't think any of the matches were bad. It's just that, in some ways, it feels like shtick that I'd seen before. Yeah, well... I mean, I've seen Lawler, Lawler hide the chain, you know, in front of 80 people. And maybe that's not fair to something, you know, this match. But, like, Sheik hiding his little stuff... His little spike or whatever. I mean, is is that clever? Yeah. I mean, they're they're completely detestable human beings. I get that, but I, I guess I just didn't see there was a certain how do I, I, I to me with these matches. There's a certain depth that they never reach, which pushes a match from being entertaining, good, even this match, which I'd say is great. But doesn't propel it to this stratosphere of, oh, this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And that's something I can't get over with the Sheik. Like, some, the Sheik is a character overall. And Abdullah, too. Like, sh- certainly they have aura. And certainly they have these moments um, that, that like these great vivid memories that I can keep in my mind but someone like Funk is able to also do that but somehow reach like an emotional level like I never feel emotionally invested in the matches with Sheik and Abdullah and somehow somebody like Funk is able to reach the depths and I'm able to emotionally connect to him where the matches of his reach an extra gear that Sheik and Abdullah do not
2: Okay, well, I mean, for, for me, I just think this is like the best... So you you say that stuff, you've seen it before. I just think that the foreign object stuff, for example, this is the best I've ever seen it done, the most effective I've ever seen it done. Um, they take it... I For me, they take it to a level that you don't kind of... that you don't see. I just think... I, I think it's a masterpiece of heel psychology, um, and I think all four guys bring it in this match. I think that Abdullah and the Sheik bring something out of Dory, as we'll talk about later, that you don't often see. Um, Terry is Terry. Um, I don't know. I'm very high on this match. I gave it four and three quarters when I originally reviewed it, and I, st- I stand by that rating. Um, so there we go. The only, um, the only slight criticism that I have of this match is that um, we still don't really get that definitive uh, finish that you want. Um, and that's a bit of a problem with uh, old Cheeky and uh, Abdullah. Um, they seldom drop a pin pinfall, you know? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I watched all those uh, Terry Funk versus uh, Abby matches from 80. Didn't eat a pin pinfall once. Um, so you never get the closure. Uh, I think actually the Funks must have won this match. Uh, somehow, but it's like DQ or, uh, it's not the, it's not a clean pin in the middle. So you, if it is the payoff blow off match, um, you kind of don't, uh, don't get it. Um, but I think this match is, uh, you know, it should, it should be legendary. And I think it probably is legendary in Japan, right? Um, and uh, so people talk about the 1977 match between these uh, these four more, because I think it's the first one, and there's a lot of blood in it. Um, but uh, yeah, this one should be talked about more as well, I think. And uh, we'll be coming back to these guys, so uh, why didn't you give us your next pick, Chad?
0: At number 42 is uh, Toshi Yumatsu versus Yoshika Tamura. This is from... Gaia, Gaia, G A E A, uh, July nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven. When I first watched this match, these were two ladies that I had really no idea who they were, was unfamiliar with them at all. Uh, This match is for the WCW Women's Title, which doesn't sound prestigious at all on the onset. But uh,
2: what's the date on this again? July nineteenth,
0: nineteen ninety seven
2: ninety seven okay
0: yes for the uh,
2: w c w women style
0: right um, but uh the, the way these two women go after each other and the struggle it's it's a really great wrestling match with the relentless bodywork selling uh, dramatic stretch towards the end, they really portray a fact that this is the most important. Uh, match of their lives and that really is conveyed on the screen and uh of the, of the yearbooks that i've went through this i think has kind of been universally the best hidden gem of everyone that's went through them what, uh, what
2: show did this actually take place on
0: it's on a it's on a japanese show
2: right okay yeah this this was when they were doing the whole Crossover deal. Clearly. Well,
0: yeah, Akira Hokuto did some stuff and with uh, Medusa, but um, this is—they the, just sort of took over the rights of the belt.
2: That—that's an obscure one, Chad. I haven't heard anyone to really talk about that. Well,
0: uh, yeah, that's why I said I think this is by far like because if you go to the yearbook thread for this, you'll see that this match is getting absolute. Uh, universal praise even from someone like Childs who is uh, not the biggest Joshi fan and will freely admit that and actually hated like the Rage in the Cage match that was earlier on my list but uh, he really loves this one and so for me Charles, Childs, Tim, uh not uh Tim Livingston, but uh, other Tim <laughs> yeah. Uh it's it's kind of a match that's all across the board been uh, praised for the people that's watched it.
2: Okay, well um my next one is another um iteration of Ron Garvin versus Rick Flair. This is the nine twenty six eighty seven match chad where Garvin wins the world title. We've talked about this before. I uh, think this is a great match, four and three quarters with my rating. Um, did this make your list?
0: This will be uh, higher up on my list.
2: Wow. Okay.
0: And I think you may be surprised where I ended up putting this one.
2: <laughs> I wonder how high you've gone with it.
0: <laughs> it's, went, went pretty the- high.
2: Do you want to talk about it now?
0: We can. Um I I, I just think it's an awesome match. That you talk about a hidden gem. This is kind of cool like the 42s lineup too. Like this is a match that doesn't get praise. Like still you hear about Garvin's title win and I, I guess I just don't understand how people can watch these matches that they have with each other and be disappointed by them. Um based on the in ring. I mean they're they're fabulous.
2: If this had been on Starcade, do you think people would still be lowball with the ratings? I
0: guess I guess it depends on the crowd reaction, but I I, I really think now is just a point that people don't understand that Garvin it's like Garvin in some ways was a regional star to the NWA group, you know, but yeah. And I understand them wanting to expand out in Chicago and out in Detroit. And the way they portrayed him as champion was ill-advised. But it's not that far-fetched and wasn't perceived, I don't believe, as far-fetched in a place like Greensboro that he could be the NWA champion. Because you can see that. I mean, those people in the Techwood studios, yeah, there's only 50 of them. But when he's facing Flair on that 12-28-85 match, they they don't see this as, you know, some guy shockingly, you know, a big upset, him getting one over on Flair. Yeah, it would be an upset to some degree because Flair is the world champion and Flair kind of weasels out of these situations. Um, and somebody like Garvin, I guess, would be kind of equivalent to somebody like Wahoo. You know, and yeah. which in the confines of the NWA title is has always been like a, a, a perennial contender, someone that would always challenge but never win necessarily. But the way this matches worked, when he does get the win off of that big move, the sunset flip, it, it feels completely justified and uh, it's not a surprise at all, and the crowd pops for it. So in that moment, it's a great ending to a fantastic cage match.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it, Chad. Ric Flair is beatable, isn't he? Right, he's beatable, and Ron Garvin represents the sort of guy who could beat him. So, like, I don't, I don't see it as a. I I actually think that Gar- uh, Garvin is hurt by W.F. perception as well, you know. Because I I remember when I was a kid, I thought Garvin was the lamest guy ever, as I've talked about many times. And I think when guys go back and review, that taint is hard to shift once it's already formed. Uh, Do you know what I mean?
0: That's what I was trying to get at, where like in other regions, it looks very weird, just based on how well you know the guy, that he was the NWA champion, because it's... I don't know, maybe like a Tony Correa or, you know, Chief J Strombo was never going to probably be the WWF champion. So right. I think I think Garvin gets associated with that. Like, you know, he beat the great Ric Flair, the greatest NWA champion of all time. And, you know, he was this guy that was sort of this uh, mid mid-car- upper mid-card brawler that was kind of portrayed as dumb.
2: But I, I don't get the impression people say that about like th- any of the Von Erics or Tommy Rich or any of those guys. But is that because um, uh, they were like? Is that because like Kerry was the ace or Tommy Rich was the ace of Georgia? So it's more understandable. Whereas Bobby well, wasn't really I the ace. I
0: think Kerry gets an out because they say it was you know on the David Von Erich memorial, right? Uh, and only for a short time. I think race our rich beaten race is uh more of a path a little bit more of a pass one because it was very short Two, yeah. because of the rumors or whatever the speculation on how he got the title in the first place yeah. uh but uh, that, I think that one's also seen as kind of a little bit of an eye roll by people that don't understand just how over Tommy Rich was but not as severe as Garvin. But you gotta remember, I mean, Harley Race doesn't have the reputation of Ric Flair either. Right. I mean that's I mean I, I think in WWF I's Ric Flair is seen as the equivalent of like Hulk Hogan, which I mean that's in most wrestling yeah. fans' eyes. So this again is some guy, I mean, you can accept somebody like Dusty who's been portrayed as the archemesis of Ric Flair, even though Garvin was too. But Dusty has that mainstream appeal where it seems more feasible that he would be flair for the title, uh, whereas Garvin it just doesn't.
2: See, it's funny when I was a kid, I did I did see uh, Harley Race as being a big deal, but I, I think I'm guessing that's just because Tony Schiavone put him over so heavily, and Jim Ross did um, on Worldwide or whatever when he was managing Vader. They'd always put over that he was what, seven, eight time yeah, world champion? Seven time world
0: champion. I mean, I think Ray certainly has a reputation, but he's not Ric Flair.
2: Right. I can see that. It's, okay. it's,
0: it's one of those things where, okay, it was shocking that, for a modern comparison, okay, when Kevin Owens pinned John Cena, that was shocking just because nobody had done it. And I think by the same token, Rich winning the world title well, was kind of shocking if you didn't really get what was going on. But. That's not the same as, in most people's eyes, somebody beating Hulk Hogan in, like, 1987.
1: Right. Like, that would
0: have been just... Or, you know, when Ivan beat Bruno. You're talking about some of the biggest upsets in wrestling history. People kind of throw in Garvin and Flair in that bucket when it's not... That's not really the case.
2: Okay. Well, I I mean, I I don't know. I I also... I think not, like... I have a really different understanding of the NWA champion these days, where I don't think it's an upset for anybody to beat the NWA champ, because, you know, like, we talk about Hardy Race, he, he'd go down to, like, Australia and stuff, yes. and there's so many, like, switches that they're, and Flair did it. Didn't Flair drop the title in New Zealand once?
0: Yeah, there's that, there's that is, a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of phantom switches that were never even acknowledged.
2: Puerto Rico, just to save his life, as he mentioned on the podcast recently. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't see it as such a major deal to do a one-month interim champion. Um, and I just think uh, that the taint of that has unfairly uh, tarnished that, that, the legacy of those matches. So anyway, we, me and you, Chad, have talked about that much, uh, that match almost as much as the Lex Luger series, haven't we? So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's move on. What's your 41.
0: Uh, my 41 is Kiyoshi Tamura versus Toyoshi Kosaka This is from June twenty seventh, 1998 It's rings uh, 30 minute shoot style Match par Just a uh, great pace um, Absolutely awesome uh, Absolutely Kind of awesome action throughout I, th- I thought it was a Really great athleticism, stamina They They kind of it, it, it went by in a, in a flash to me and uh, I, th- I thought they'd never telegraph the draw with the way they were absolutely going as ferociously as they were in the first few minutes of the match and it's an excellent shoot style match that I don't think if you do, don't like shoot style you probably won't like the match but I think you still can appreciate the athleticism and the pace they cut on this one.
2: Can I ask you, in the 30 minutes, how many suplexes are thrown? Um, None.
0: Uh, no, there's some throws <laughs> here.
2: Okay, all right. No, just just I'm just interested, uh, um, like, what they actually do. Because the shoot-style matches I've seen tend to be a little bit shorter. They tend to, like, cap out about the 15-minute mark. Yeah, this,
0: this one was, like, a, a weird, um, not a sprint, but worked like a sprint, but went 30 minutes long. Um, so so was very interesting.
2: Okay, well, well, my 41 is a match that we have not reviewed yet, Chad, but it's uh, Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat uh 62092 the Iron Man match from Beach Blast. Um no secret that I'm really big on this match. Um the uh um when I first watched it, it you know as kind of fans who watch lots and lots of matches it's quite hard to to get drawn into a finishing sequence to actually pop for the near falls and things and um, I just think this match has worked perfectly from start to finish Um, I'm still four and three quarters on it Um, and I've been teetering on the brink of saying like can I realistically give it five stars because what is actually wrong with the match um and really, I don't know if anything is wrong with the match, other than maybe it's not the finish I want. I don't know. Um, have you seen this match recently, Chad? Recently,
0: and that's why I did not make my list. Um, I think this has a good chance. <laughs> I think it so, has a good chance.
2: I shouldn't last. That's become your catchphrase. <laughs> but um. Th- It hasn't made your list because you haven't seen it recently. I haven't
0: watched it when that uh, four-year window that I talked about.
2: Okay, well, I'm really looking forward to our Beach Blast show now. Because it's our very next show, isn't
0: it? Uh, Yes, it'll be our next show. We're doing that before the uh, clash, just because chronological. Air date, on air date.
2: Rude and Steamboat had excellent chemistry. Yes, absolutely. Um,
1: Promotional consideration paid for by the following... What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on the Place to Be Nation. placetobenation.com, The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. Place to be Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to the Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and place to You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, home of great interviews and our famous vintage vault pay per view reviews. If you need your fix of current wrestling talk, we have plenty of options for you, including main event, which features a round table discussion led by PTBN analysts and special guests, and our monthly pay per view reaction shows, including immediate feedback and discussion for WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, and New Japan Super Shows. Also, be sure to to relive wrestling's past with Graham Cawthon's excellent exclusive history of wrestling podcast Phil Schneider's digging in the crates and our monthly pay-per-view rewind roundtable series led by Ben Morse and join pro wrestling only's Will and I on the Dangerous Alliance podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games Sports fans have plenty to enjoy as well. We feature the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Doctor G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Senior, the Kings of Sport, led by Live Audio Wrestling's Godfather Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast, which takes a year-round deep dive into pro hoops, and the TJ McLoon Show, featuring great guests from around the world of sports journalism. PTBN also proudly features the Richer Than Mailman Podcast, specializing in the world of TV thought leadership, anger, and irreverence. As mentioned, all these shows are available on Placetovation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. PTBN also is a home to tremendous in-depth features on pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts. Scott Keats, RSPWFAQ.com blog, and Piledriver.net.
2: Okay, number 40. Uh, so my
0: number 40 is um, Masawa versus Tauwe. This is the finals of the Champion Carnival in uh, 1995. 41595 is the air date. Uh, to me, it's uh, Taoway's best uh, singles match of all time. I think Masawa had a great Carnival that year, but this is kind of a uh, this is kind of a Towaway match also. And uh, it, it it's this is an awesome match. I don't want I don't want to spoil too much because you're coming right up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this is just a great match where you, you kind of felt like of the four pillars by this point in time, Tauwe, like Masawa is clearly the ace and Tauwe is probably clearly number four on the pegging order and this match kind of turns that theory on its head a little bit where Masawa does a great job of making Tauwe seem like an extreme threat without not looking weak as the ace. Like, he elevates Taway.
2: Well, I, I look forward to it. Taui's been really good in everything I've seen so far. Sure, um, but And he's kind of, like, weirdly awkward, as I keep on saying on yeah. the shows. Um, but, in a, hes I don't know, there's something endearing about his awkwardness. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and uh, the, the one other thing I'll say is that, um, and I've said this before, All Japan is not like a kind of, kind of like, crystal kind of execution promotion. So that little bit of kind of, um, I want to say, I don't want to call it sloppiness, but it's not kind of exactly crisp on the nose. Um, it kind of works within the context. So the fact that Taue isn't absolutely, when he does a power bomb or whatever, the fact it looks like it may... Actually, break somebody's neck or whatever works within that context. Does that make sense?
0: Right. Agreed.
2: Um, yeah, it could be also why a guy like Dan Spivey doesn't look too much out of place there. Um, which isn't uh, isn't a criticism of the style. I'm just saying that you know it kind of means that Towie doesn't look out of place within with, with the other three guys. Um, my number forty is uh, a match I reviewed pretty recently, Chad. It's uh, Randy Orton. Who makes a shocking, shocking appearance in my top 50 <laughs> list? Uh, unbelievable that Randy Orton is in my list. Um, taking on Mick Foley. This is 418.04. Now you've seen this one, right?
0: Yeah, this is part of our top 100.
2: Yeah. Um, now. Well, this, well, let me bring yeah.
0: the caveat the top 100 matches you should watch before you die.
2: Yes. Or in WWE. Now I'd imagine there are split opinions about this match um I thought it was absolutely amazing uh when I watched it the other night. um I thought i mean, as a piece of storytelling, it's well, i mean obviously I think it's really good because I've ranked it number fourteen on my list, but um you see Randy Orton make a real big character transition during this during this match. His character at this time—it wasn't he working some kind of legend killer gimmick at this?
0: Yeah, time? so he'd been going through all the, uh, yeah, yeah. He's doing his legend killer thing,
2: and he's this kind of cocky little punk. You know, he—he's got this little arrogance deal going on. It, actually, I mean, for Randy Orton, his character work it was perfectly fine, much better than it, what what it would turn into after this. You know, not too much of a secret. That I hate Randy Orton, had uh, ch- Chad, um, but here his character work was fine in this early part of his career, um, and he's taken on Mick Foley, who is kind of like it's. It's almost this narrative where he, he, he's, he's going to come back for one last night of chaos and mayhem and one last night of violence. He's going to go back into go back into his. Um, kind of bag of tricks and get all of the old barbed wire and chains and whatever he can. You know, he's going to go back to his kind of not just ECW self, but like his FMW self type thing, you know? Um right. And um, I think it makes for like a really interesting uh, story on both parts, um, especially because of where they take the violence in this match. I mean, some of the spots are Insanely brutal in the match. Um, the bar, the, the the spot that stands out to me is when Orton gets uh, slammed on the thumbtacks, and he get and he's literally got thumbtacks in his actual, like stuck in his back. And you just see, I mean, I can't remember who made the post on PWO, but they, you see something in Randy Orton change in that moment where he's like, it's it's like no longer a work, it's no longer the character's gone and all of a sudden he becomes a human being who's like oh my god I'm in something way above my head here how am I gonna how am I gonna you know you actually see him panic a little bit with the with the pain of the of the thumbtacks um I don't know I just think this is a phenomenal piece of storytelling what's your take on it really
0: like the match I think it peters off a little bit after that spot you just talked about Which, uh, hinders it from being at the tip top level. I ranked it four and a quarter when we watched it for the uh, greatest wrestler or one of our matches to watch before you die. And, uh, it was kind of because of that. Um, the last few minutes I thought were pretty anticlimactic actually, um, where it builds to that tag spot and then there's kind of nowhere else to go. Um.
2: So. Yeah, well i i i thought they took i thought they took this match to places that you you just wouldn't expect in a, in that context uh in front of that crowd with these work with this particular worker um, so I, I don't know kudos to them i i thought it was uh i thought it was really good um, and uh deserving of a higher grade than four and a quarter so carry on.
0: <laughs> well, this is a match that definitely is deserving of a higher grade than the two stars or whatever the hell you gave it. And it's El Dandy versus Angel Azteca from June the first, nineteen ninety. Um, I, I this this is a great match. There's is there anything necessarily flashy about this match? Not really, but everything is made with a purpose. Everything is hooked technically proficient. I I see this as a very um, artistic match where maybe necessarily there's not all the bells and whistles, but like a great kind of painting or some other art form that may not be as dynamic or unique or do something different. This is one of your classics that to me stands the test of time as a match as just a great lucha title match
2: well if it is an artwork it's one of those kind of pieces of abstract modern art that I don't understand uh, because I I, I don't get it I
0: I compare it it to like the Mona Lisa actually
2: the Mona Lisa
0: yeah but I mean is the (laughs) Mona Lisa a or or something let me think of something better uh, I, I, I feel like everything's made with purpose it's it's uh I don't know. I mean, was any new ground broke with this match? No, but it's uh, 30 minutes of really engaging wrestling to me where everything, I mean, you, yeah, you're not going to see a submission that you've never seen before. Or the, the grappling's not as fast as like uh, Tamura versus Kosaka that I just mentioned, but I, I was completely engaged by the match throughout.
2: The thing I got, I I mean, I may have to give this another watch because when I watched, when I reviewed it, I remember I got very caught up on this terrible piece of arm work that Stacker was doing where he was like pulling on. And this is one of my, this is one of my problems with this, with the style chat is that they, they sometimes do stuff on the mat that I cannot see how it's meant to hurt. And there was a moment where he was pulling on his arm, looked like a kind of limp noodle or something. I didn't I didn't understand what what he was meant to be doing like if you do that to me it wouldn't hurt um and that's uh, I and that's I guess one of my basic principles of moves in wrestling that they should look that they they should theoretically hurt if you do them so um I don't know I I I didn't uh I didn't get it I'll maybe give it another chance because so many people are high on it so you know don't let me uh Diminish your enthusiasm. Uh, so what, what? where are we? Uh, I'm on 39. A, yeah, 39. 39. Okay, so I've got uh, Kabashi and Kakuchi taking on Doug Finesse and Dan Crawford. This is 525.92. Um, and a, a, another brilliant example of a southern tag match with possibly yeah. the greatest face in peril sequence ever on uh, Kakuchi? Are uh, you high on this match, Chad?
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, I can just go ahead and say this. This is mine, 37. And I saw that this one was coming up on your list or on my list. And I did a quick search and I uh, saw that you had not mentioned it yet. And I was about to uh, take you to task when I got there, in a couple of spaces of this not making <laughs> your top 100.
2: Well, I was that? so, so that,
0: I'm glad to see this was the side for you.
2: I was that for a bit of anticipation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we might as well talk about it now, right? It's. I mean, I, Charles is really high in this. Didn't Charles call this like one of the best well, matches of the 90s? or not <laughs>
0: Well, Char I mean, Charles went through all the 90s year books and charles is certainly someone that he says your match rating is only a moment in time so it's constantly evolving and different matches are coming into that and i, th- I think charles is even more extreme than myself with that because i just know when uh, he was rewatching the top stuff from the 90s which he rewatched every match he ranked initially four and a half and higher uh he came away with uh this match being the number one match of the entire 1990s, and another match I'm going to be getting to uh, fairly, fairly recent in a, you know in the future as the uh, number two match, which was both were just surprises for me because not exactly your usual suspects. I mean, both of us have this really high top 40 all time matches for both of us, but I would not think this would be. Uh, a match that you would think that people would vote for, like the top match of the nineteen nineties.
2: No, we do we do get Ultimate Ricky Morton here though, uh, oh. in uh, in Kikuchi, and uh, I don't think uh, we we're going to see three of these guys again in my list. Uh, Furnas, Crawford, and Kikuchi do not crop yep. up again for me. Yep,
0: this is it for me too.
2: Um. So. What's your
0: 38? Mine 38 is Masawa versus Kabashi, uh, October 31st, 1998. Very uh, dissenting match here. And this is what I talked about before with the Kawada-Kabashi match that I think I think this match in a lot of ways is when they dial it up to 10. this is about as far as they could go at this point in time um, because they did this match and i really don't want to spoil parv but I'd, I'd be interested but there's some spots in this match that are uh certainly ex- excessive there's a big apron spot that's in this match and uh I, I can see it not being everybody's cup of tea but you know it's it really changed the dynamic of the match and this is when um well, I'm sure, you know, we talked about it in the All-Japan Excite series. It's kind of old hat. as whether Kawada should have won versus Masawa on 6-3-1994. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I'll just say I think I, I, I think Masawa should have won that match. But I think Kobashi should have won this match.
2: Right. Um, okay. In some
0: ways. And uh, I think, I think this, it's a bigger, I guess, travesty that... Kobashi didn't win this match versus Kawada on 6 3 94. Uh, but, but this match to me is right on the edge of where excess tried to creep in. And they have a match in 1999 which has a ton of great stuff in it. But the excess kind of took over. And that's where it sort of fails um, as a uh, match overall, even though I still rank that match. Uh, in 1999, at four stars, but this was my match of the year for 1998.
2: Just, just out of interest, who were the crowd uh, rooting for in that one?
0: And this one, is uh, it's pretty. I'd say it's pretty pro Kabashi.
2: Yeah, I, I thought, I thought what? it might be. Yeah. Okay, because it's already go It's already like in '94, going the way where Kabashi seems to be, like, like, like white hot with the crowd. I mean, right. sour's still over, but. They love Kabashi. so well.
0: I, we'll get to a match later on my list. I don't know if it'll be on this show or another one, but uh, where the the dynamic of that is very interesting because it's actually kind of different. So we'll see.
2: Well, my my thirty eight is another Masawa match. This time though, he's taking on Jumbo saruta This is six eight ninety. Ah, mm. um, famous match. Uh, isn't this where he wins?
0: Yeah, this is where uh, Masawa gets the famous upset.
2: Yeah, and um, doesn't Jumbo. uh, How does he. Doesn't he tap? Is it a submission? No,
0: this is not the submission. It's
2: not not the submission one. one. This is
0: where he. It's actually kind of a little bit of a botched finish where he uh, kind of flips over him in a little bit of an awkward manner and gets the roll up quickly. But, uh, but this is where, I mean, Jumbo didn't lose here, especially to someone like Masawa. So this is actually kind of when you're talking about the upsets in wrestling history, this is a match to throw up, where at that point yeah. in time, this was an insane upset.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember it wasn't that long ago, All Japan Excited Series 1. I uh, I don't mark out that, that often when I'm watching matches, but I did for that one. I was like, holy shit, you beat, you beat him? Because right. Masawa, th- this was kind of accelerated, wasn't it? um because because of titan were you leaving or whatever
0: yeah well and kind of the famous story is that baba backstage before the show uh saw that there was a lot of kind of support with the younger fans of uh masawa and clamoring so uh the day of the show he sent a, a note or a handler or whoever to jumbo to say that masawa is going over and uh And Jumbo was like, oh, by count out, you know, or some cheap finish. And then Baba sent the handler or no bag that just said no. And then that was it. You know, Masawa, the pro, or Jumbo, the pro's pro puts him over like a champ.
2: So um, this is still four and three quarters for me. Is this on your list?
0: This is not four and a half for me. Um, Right.
2: Because I did seem to be a little bit higher on this match than people generally are.
0: Well, this, I mean, this is one of the famous matches because Dave Meltzer was here live, um, right. so, so this is a match that has, you know, in some ways kind of like a steamboat, savage reputation
2: mm-hmm.
0: of, of our grouping, but I do, I mean, Charles was actually pretty low on this match when he watched it, Um and I I mean, I, I didn't think it was I, I mean, it's kind of one of those matches where you know what happens, you're excited to see it, and this was actually of the really hype 90s All Japan matches. This is one of the last one I've watched, so the first time I watched that, I kind of hyped myself up to think well, you know, this may be one of the ones that I think is, you know, one of the best match of all time contender like all these other matches from the 90s I've seen, and it didn't quite has never hit that mark, it's, even though it, I love the ending.
2: It's worked a bit slower, I wanna say. Right. Um anyway, let's carry on. What's your what's your thirty seven?
0: Well my thirty seven is that uh Kabashi Kakuchi versus Furnace and Crawford, so we can just speed right on past that.
2: My thirty seven is my very last four and a three quarters match. It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. Five seven eighty nine. That's wrestling. Yeah. That uh, is WrestleWar, and I, I'm telling you, Chad, I'm sitting here and now, and I'm looking at this part of my list, and I'm sickened to the pits of my stomach that I've done this. <laughs> because wait until you see what my 36 is.
0: Oh, God.
2: Um, but uh, it just looks so wrong to my eyes to see this match sitting there below some of these other matches. Right. But um, I have to go with my rating, right? Four and three quarters. Uh, Wrestle War. we talked about it. Now, as I seem to recall, you're a little bit higher on this one
0: i am uh this will be showing up uh, later on in my list. I think it's a perfect culmination uh to their trilogy here took some really awesome moments of the uh of their feud so far and uh yeah i, I mean not much more you can say about this match i mean it's a classic all three
2: of these it's their- so, it's their greatest hits package to me sure this one.
0: Yeah, this I I think that's fair. I, I love the commentary from Ross. Um, and and this does have the post match angle with with uh, Terry
2: Funk. Yeah, which
0: if you do want to include that too. So
2: okay, so your thirty six.
0: My number thirty six is Perro Aguayo versus Sangre Chicana. This is from uh, February nineteen eighty six. Don't know if I have an exact date for this one. Actually, uh, let me just see. Anyway, this I don't. This this is a just an awesome brawl. Uh, Perro is just a nasty dude that uh, is ready to waylay on each other and going through the lucha stuff of the '80s. I really thought Sandra Chicano was uh, great with his sympathy. Um, was able to portray that really well. And so they, these guys just rip it up, have an insane brawl, and it, it reaches those visceral levels like very few matches have.
2: Well, uh, and that's on the lucha set, right? Yeah, I don't right. think
0: you ever made it.
2: No, I haven't got that far. But and... This is
0: one I'd like to see, because this to me is uh, Chicana versus MS Uno uh, light.
2: Right, okay. But
0: very slightly. Very slightly. I mean, there's a lot of hate here. Some disgusting brawling around the uh, around ringside and posts.
2: Well, um, speaking of disgusting, Chad, my 36 is uh, John Cena versus Umaga from 12807. And the fact that that is sitting one place above a Flair Steamboat match is just. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm gonna ha- I'm handing in my old school for life card here. At the I door. love it. I love Apologies it. Apologies to all old school fans everywhere.
0: <laughs> this, well,
2: it's, just... it's a disgrace. It is absolutely a disgrace. Uh <laughs> <laughs> however, is Cena versus Umwaga on your list?
0: It is and won't we'll, wanna spoil it right now. It's coming up really soon, but you'll love the way it turns out on my list as well i'll just say that um do
2: you want to talk about it a bit here or should we yeah we can
0: talk about it and then i'll just give the no i mean i think this is just (sighs) cena has i think two just absolute blow away performances that are gonna be on my uh, next what 35 matches and uh and this to me is um One of them. I mean, just the... the, uh, And Umaga's amazing. I mean, the dive through the table, the uh, STL looking like it actually hurts. There's there's such a struggle in this match. Umaga's a monster. This is the best version of Steam versus Vader, actually, in my eyes. And I love that series, but this kind of elevated it a little more. And I watched this one live and anticipated the match, but I, I never would have thought it had been as amazing as it was
2: yeah now um, if you remember when I reviewed this um, to uh, to the amusement of some people uh, I reviewed uh, like a nothing match <laughs> like the yeah, some they, match they, they had in-
0: <laughs> yeah because they had one at the pay-per-view earlier uh, New Year's Resolution which I like a little bit more than you but I mean yeah it's like a <laughs> probably like a three star match for me yeah. You know, and, and then this one just is on another level.
2: Some of the spots, though, the uh, blowing the monitor on the head. Right. Um, but you, we have to talk about the finish. Um, where it kind of like, you know, we talk about, and this is the first five star match on my. So I guess that means this is my lowest five star match, right? Which, um, which is not to damn with faint praise. It's just that, you know, five star. Like, anything that I give five stars is obviously a match that I consider to be in that, like, upper, upper, top, top tier, you know? Um, I thought uh, the, the finish with the with, with the choking out of Amargo and Cena kind of going over the edge and becoming, like, a real psychopath um, is, I don't know, it's one of those great moments. And, you know, different promotions can do things uh well and i think wwe does moments like that even though they only come along once every five years ten years or whatever it does them probably better than anyone else um for a match that isn't particularly wwe like uh it's not a match it's none of the stuff that happens in this is something that i associate with wwe in 2007 um but uh yeah, I, I don't know. I just very, very good match, and um, it actually a match that made me into more of a Cena believer because uh, if you know, Chad, I reviewed a lot of his matches versus Jericho, versus Kevin Owens, versus. I was like, what are people seeing this guy? All of these matches are awful. <laughs> um, and then, and then this one, I was like, okay, that is a that is a phenomenal babyface performance. Um, and a performance that I couldn't see, you know, somebody like Bob Backlund giving, for example. So uh, kudos to, to Cena. It puts him uh, over the top, although I'm still um, sorry to everybody for ranking it over Flash Steamboat. Well. <laughs> <laughs> 35, 35, I still think it's a disgrace, but anyway. <laughs>
0: 35 is uh, Sergeant Slaughter versus Iron Sheik. This is their boot camp match. This is uh, um, on
2: my list higher up, yeah. It's
0: 1984. I don't have the exact date, but... Uh, it's, uh,
2: I can give it to you. It's 6184.
0: Okay. So so this one is... Uh, I'm, I'm imagining... We're getting to the alley fight at some point in time um, on your list, and and I like yep. that match a good deal. But this one to me is uh, pretty easily, I would say, the best match of the '80s in WWF, actually, um, even including Steamboat Savage for WrestleMania three for me. There's there's a lot of uh, fight and hate. Does that visceral again, that visceral violence that you don't see that much in that promotion as a whole but when they do it it really really works and resonates and uh they certainly were able to do it here and this the, i mean this was a great feud overall but um, I, I think just everything about this was worked uh very violently chic is great you got you got Slaughter, doing the blade job, sheep biting him. There, there's just a lot of hate portrayed in this match.
2: Yeah, it's a fantastic match, and they take it to places that you don't expect. Um, I will say, though, Chad, 84WF is more of a blood-and-guts promotion than you might expect. Um, even, like, Hogan gets... Uh, gets uh, color more, more than you'd expect during that time period. Um... Kind of early Vince Junior era is quite kind of gritty in a in a way, um, and then it I don't know it gradually gets more sanitized as time goes on I guess. Um, right. But this is this is still all right the best eighties WF match. Um, oh, but looking at it, um, it's a contender certainly for best WWF match of all time I would say.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's up there for me. I got a couple matches ahead, but it's, <sighs> it's you know it's in the running. Short list.
2: So my um, thirty-five is El Dandy versus Negro Casas, seven three ninety-two. Is this on your list?
0: Yes, it is.
2: Um, do you want to talk about it now? Should we? Uh- yeah,
0: let's let's go ahead and get this one out of the way. Um, I mean, just a great match. I think they had a really. Cool feud all together uh, in '92, and they—I mean—they had a few matches, and this was a match that when it first came out, it was in real grainy uh, video quality, um, just kind of a you know it looked like it was snowing all around. But the, but this uh, has wrestling, it has some brawling, has some strikes. Uh, to me, this is a quintessential lucha match. I guess I just think probably what raises this in your eyes is probably cast's emoting and how that sort of takes it up a level.
2: Yeah, well, not only the the emotion, but the fact that um, everything looked like it hurt, which is I know a really facile sounding thing to say, but a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff uh, that I don't like in lucha doesn't doesn't have that. Um, and this was this was actually one. Might, I was literally about to say I'm never going to watch a lucha match again when I watch this match, and it turned it round for me. In fact, very similar to that John Cena match where I was like, "I'm I'm kind of going to tap out on Cena now," and the Amaga match turned it round. I was ready to tap out on lucha forever, and I still might, by the way. <laughs> um, but this uh, this match did you know it is a match for the ages. Um, the near falls. I would say in this match really are very, very effective. Um, actually had me kind of pop in when I on my sofa, you know. So um yeah, really good and c- kind of a kind of a grittiness to things as well, uh that, that I always like to see. Um and uh yeah, I really like it. and I don't think I'm anywhere near as high on El Dendi as you are, Chad. I think that that much is obvious. Um but Negro Casa seems like uh, a fantastic worker well, to me.
0: He- here's what I'll say about El Dandy. I mean, I don't know about El Dandy. El Dandy, I think, is interesting. Where I think if you watched all of him, you'd probably like him a good deal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I- El Dandy's tough for me because I think he's absolutely great. I mean, in 1990, I think he was amazing. But that's just because there is certain matches I rank higher than him. But <sighs> how oh, how do how do i portray this without <laughs> ruffling some feathers um i guess of what we have on tape if you take the peak of el dandy from 90 to 96 and you took 35 matches from that window to me they f- do compare favorably with like jim breaks right okay which that's like his whole that's all we got you know
2: Mm-hmm. Um.
0: So, so that's what makes it tough for me with Dandy because he does have other highlights earlier and later. But
2: well, I, I mean, I guess like if you raise but breaks, for example, breaks is a guy where I sit down, match starts, and you can immediately see this guy is an absolutely world class wrestler. I do not get that with Dandy. I do, I just don't. It's not as obvious. I don't think he doesn't smack you across the face. Like it does with the gym breaks, and I, I guess it comes down to guess it comes down to a big things versus little things thing again. I don't know, um, but uh, d- d- to me, Dale Dandy seemed closer to like a Bret Hart, um, if I was going to compare him to anybody in terms of his character. Um, but maybe I need to see more to yeah. to change that view. Like, uh, would you say that? A, a Bret Hart comparison would be... No, I'd, I'd you know? really
0: disagree with that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know. Maybe someone that doesn't resonate, but... I mean, he has this match. He has brawls. He Well, he does... He, to me, he just has a wide range of stuff. That's just... Uh, I, I, I don't really get the Bret Hart. I, I, to me, he's as good a wrestler as anybody, and that's portrayed in the way he acts in the ring. Oh,
2: okay. Don't get me wrong, I mean, Bret Hart is a good wrestler, though. It's not like saying, uh, you know... Yeah, but
0: I I mean, I think he's... He's like Ron Bass or something. as anybody. Billy Robinson, uh,
2: okay. Jim
0: Brakes, Dandy, I, I think they sit together. I mean, he's someone that, when I do The Greatest Wrestling Ever, I mean, there seems to be a lot of clamoring for Bockwinkle. I love Bockwinkle. But, it, it, I mean, it kind of goes to your list, because as I'm going through my top 100 matches... It's almost like, well, I mean, I do like, I really do love all these El Dandy matches. And I do love El Dandy in it. So, do I really think Winkle is that much better than El Dandy? Because I think when I did my first kind of brainstorming session, he was a good bit higher. I just don't know.
2: Wow. Who am I to doubt him, Chad? Yes. (laughs) Somebody had to say it, didn't they? Right. I mentioned Bret Hart. Uh, who's your thirty? Uh, who's who's your thirty-four match? My number thirty-four.
0: This is one we won't have to talk that much about. It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat, Shy Town Rumble.
2: Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair bit higher on my list, Chad.
0: Yeah, this one's uh, my least favorite of the three. It's some people's favorite. I I just think. Um, to me, with these two, more is better. It's one of the cases where the more they're in the ring, the more I'm engaged. I'm never bored. So this being the shortest is just kind of a victim of time and why I don't get as high as the other two.
2: To me, it's the greatest 20-minute main event of, in U.S. history. Uh, that's that's why I'd say it's it's, it's the... Um, in terms of what that is, you know... Main event title match 20 minutes, top of the card, try time rumble. So, and you have the lovely, uh, the lovely finish, the big moment, you know, which kind of, um, the other two lack. Um, you know, it's the you have the fairy tale steamboat win, so that's why I'm so high on it. Um, but that you'll have to wait a fair bit before we get to that one. <laughs> Um, so my, uh, 34 is, well, Chad, it's, uh, it's, those Funk Boys again. They're taking on Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy. This is eight thirty-one eighty-three. 83 I was very high on this match when we watched it for the, all, um, for the All Japan eighty set. I think it finished four overall on the set for me. Uh, do you remember this match at all?
0: Yeah, this is the, uh, Terry Funk's retirement.
2: Um, and uh yeah i mean it's uh, it, it it's actually a pretty long match, I seem to remember like doesn't it go like forty minutes or forty five minutes even
0: oh I don't think it's that long
2: um i fair. I seem to remember it being pretty long but uh i you know all all four of these guys really good workers um the hanson gordy team uh in a early iteration there um yeah i i don't know I, I i just thought it was a really really good piece of uh really good piece of work and uh of course the retirement uh deal is uh emotional as well right um, which kind of um you know may help to put this one over the top
0: yeah i think that i think that's sort of the the main thing for me that it has gone forward is the emotion um a really emotional moment with the cheerleaders and funk seeming genuine that he's retiring uh, which of course he wasn't but
2: he stayed, he stayed retired for what a year?
0: I don't even think that I think it was a few months
2: <laughs> alright so uh what's your what's your 33?
0: Well yeah you know you had a uh you felt kind of embarrassed that uh Cena and Umaga was ahead of a Ric Flair-Ricky Steamboat match, and my next match is Cena versus Umaga from the Royal Rumble.
2: Unbelievable. So
0: it's ahead of a Ricky Flair versus Ricky Steamboat match. But you and should I be, promise. Y- y- I-
2: <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself, Chad. <laughs> Hand in your card immediately. Um, okay, so we've both done it, but we chose different different Steamboat Flair matches. Right. Um, Okay, well, that's interesting. I guess that Maybe is little interesting. Well, my my thirty three is that uh, a match that you've just mentioned? It's the Sangre uh, Chicana versus MS One match. Nine twenty three, eighty three. Or what did you say? MS Uno. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so uh, it, I'm guessing this is higher up on your list. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: oh, good bit.
2: So this is a this is a brawl. Um very well worked, very heated, good stuff. Um do you, do you want to talk about it now?
0: Oh, I I mean I I think this is one of the most visceral brawls in uh in history. I I think there's only one other brawl that may reach the emotive uh the emotion of this match and that's Tully versus Magnum from Starcade. I don't think that's a surprise that that's the other one for me and contention. And uh, this one's just right there. The, the comeback to the setup to Sangre Shikana's first punch in the match, which he gets in the second Kaeda. It's just incredible where he takes a complete ass whipping, bleeding, you know, just absolutely can't get nothing going. And then he mounts this great comeback. And then we get this dramatic uh, finishing stretch where. Um, uh, it, it you know, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think the, uh, the ending was in doubt, but the way they got there was very, uh, it felt very, uh, justified that Chicana was able to vow revenge and then end up cutting this bastard's hair really at the end.
2: Yeah. I mean, the one, the one thing I'll say, um, why it's not any higher up than this, and i don't get me wrong. I've still given it five stars, and it's thirty-three, which is pretty high. Um, is that I'm I'm still not I'm still not absolutely keen on the this idea of a brawl over t- two over three falls. Just seems a bit um, counterintuitive to me to, to work a brawl over like through that structure. This match doesn't really suffer as a result of that, but um, it's, it's probably the thing that was about, at the back of my mind that. Put it there, as opposed to being that higher. Also, I don't think I connected with it as emotionally as um, as you did, Chad. Um, and uh, that probably speaks to my general disengagement with uh, with lucha. But even through that, um, this match still spoke to me. So I guess that says something.
0: Sure. Um, my number thirty-two is Masawa versus Jumbo nine one 1990 I'm guessing this will be higher for you.
2: Oh, yeah. That's on my list, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so so this is the rematch of the 6 890 match, and it's basically Jumbo saying, you know, I'm tired of putting up with this and showing he's the boss. Uh, a, a great match. I, f- I feel like this is a more refined version of the 6 890 match, and while it may not have the surprise ending like that match does, uh it's 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 longer. To me it's a lot more better executed. Masawa feels more comfortable in his role, and this is really Grumpy Jumbo kind of coming out for good. Uh kinda of that he would have the rest of his career uh, or his competitive career, which I really enjoy as well.
2: Yes um I uh I love this one, Chad. Um I love uh, Grumpy Jumbo. Well, I love Jumbo in general, but I I especially love him during that period. And this is him just saying, have it. You know, I'm still around. (laughs) Um, Don't count me out just yet. Uh, Yeah, just a fantastic match. And uh, I reviewed it on the All Japan Excite series um, some time ago. So you can hear my full review there. Exactly. Um, My 32 is a match that you have had... On your list already, Chad. So we don't need to talk about it. It's uh, Jim Duggan versus my man Ted DiBiase, three twenty two eighty five. Yeah, I mean we we we've discussed this one to death, and uh, yeah, match for the ages for me.
0: Sure. Um, next one is one that you won't have. It's Aja Kong and Akira Hokudo versus Dynamite Kanzai and Horda. This is from uh, August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. And this was an interesting match because Charles did not like this match that well. He gave it three stars. And, uh, you know, with this being this high on my list, I've given it five stars. And it's one I've watched five or six times. And I don't know if I'm just, I mean, this is a match that's got a lot of good hype. But I really feel like I'm higher on this one than anybody else. This is sort of my uh, Sheik and Abdullah versus Funk's if you will, where uh, I'm really championing it. But, I mean, the first time I watched it, I was just blown away by the emotion of it. It's basically Kong and Hokuto teaming up, which was a rare Feet. And by this point in time, Aja Kong had been the ace of the promotion for two years, hadn't eaten much of a pin, and had a pretty good rivalry with Dynamite Kansai, which Dynamite Kansai is like the kind of the bully on the uh, JWP side, uh, going after Kong, who was the main bully of all Japan women. And Kanzai had never been able to uh, get a pinfall over Kong, and she. Pins him and pins her in shocking fashion in in this match. It's an elimination tag match, and Colin's the first one eliminated, which is a really good shocking moment that kind of mimics Jumbo versus Masawa in a way. And from that, Hokuto has to go at it along and just gives a uh, fantastic emotional performance. This was one of those matches I watched it, and then I'll never forget I went swimming uh, with jennifer afterwards and just in the pool i i just kept thinking about this match and when we went back home i immediately rewatched it.
2: is uh is, is your wife all right with you thinking about female wrestlers when yeah. you're swimming <laughs> it's
0: kind of one of those moments in time you know it's like i'll never forget the day i watched this match i don't, I don't know
2: um, you're going to have to put together a Chad's... Um, in fact, you could just easily do it by taking your women's matches out of out of your 100. And I, I think I'm going to have to watch them all because they're of great interest to me. My, I think of all the kind of um, blind spot areas that you're picking matches from, I think the women's is of the greatest interest to me at the minute. Nice. Um, so my uh, 31 is Kawada and Tenryu versus Hanson and Gordy. This is from 121688. Now, is this one we talked about?
0: No, and uh, it's coming up for me.
2: It's on your list. Okay, so this is from... Obviously from the Tag League in 88.
0: Yeah, real World Tag League, yeah. Uh, do
2: you want to talk about it now?
0: Yeah, sure. That, I mean, this is, this is kind of... You know, we talked about with...
2: Uh, we talked about
0: it with... Um, Kobashi and a couple other people sort of their first great match this is kind of Kawada's coming out party where he is having to prove himself gives a tremendous performance kind of where he has to go up against these this uh great Gaijin tag team duo of Hanson and Gordy and uh that i don't know i mean there's just a lot going on with this match but it's it's fantastic and it was really cool to see Tenru work with a younger opponent where now he's the veteran of the team and uh it, it's the longest match of course but uh really keeps up the pace and in my opinion one of the greatest tag matches of all time and kawada just gets you know pulverized throughout the match
2: of course. Um yeah cuz is not he part of Footloose at this time?
0: Yeah, he's he's on the Footloose uh tag team here,
2: which is part of Tenryu's Revolution team, isn't it? The Revolution kind <laughs> of they're
0: kind uh, of loosely associated. Yeah, not not like I mean, at this point I guess, I don't know what uh Hara was doing, but that you know was generally Tenryu's number one partner, so I don't know why Kawada got the call for the tag league I don't know if Hara was hurt or what Uh, One other thing I'll say about this is Gordy is someone that I think I'm A little lower than most on the uh, As far as an overall worker But I thought he was a really good Kind of violent person in this match Um, Showed some traits that he doesn't really show in mini-matches, to me. Where he kind of amped it up because he was teaming with Hanson and was just a jerk throughout.
2: One little thing I'll say is that I think it's quite cool to have the Tenryu-Kawada team because I see, in a way, you could say that what Tenryu is to Jumbo-Kawada is to Masawa. Right. In, in, a, in a kind of weird way. They're, they're both, and, and in both cases, you get people who prefer you get people who prefer Tenryu to Jumbo and people who prefer Kawada to Masawa. so I just think it's quite cool that we get them tagging like this um okay so number 30
0: number 30 Kurt Henning versus Nick Bachwinkle. um you may have the exact date it's the one hour draw
2: yes uh, this is um a little bit higher on my list it's eleven twenty-one eighty-six.
0: okay uh I mean, to me, clearly the best uh, AWA match of the 80s. I'm, again, not unopposed to watching hour-long matches. I actually am pretty engaged by them when they happen. Uh, but I thought the way they filled the time here and really kind of ratchet up the intensity from some great uh, mat work to start to, some more body control work to just kind of an all-out brawl in the last 10 minutes was awesome. And this really elevated Henning in my eyes where the this, this series with Hanson, he has that match on May 31st, I think, 86, that I think does a good bit to kind of make Henning seem pretty tough. But but this series with Bach and then his, his kind of official turn really kind of amps it up to another level. And this is the centerpiece of that.
2: Yeah, easily the best AWA match I would I agree. Um and it's it's kind of like a textbook how to work an our Broadway and keep it, you know, it's a lost art really. Um and this would be like the number one example of it that I can think of. Do you think of any better our broadways? Um
0: let me make sure that is the highest one I have on my list. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, this is my number one.
2: Yeah, I um, I really do think it's helped by a um, very, very hot finishing stretch. Yeah. And this is something I have thought about, Chad, which is how much early kind of mat work and things... like. Are there any moments during this match where you are bored, like in that first 20 minutes, say, where they're, you know, feeling each other out and finding their feet? Or, or are you consistently engaged throughout all of that, you know, uh, stuff in the early going? That, that's just a question I have about Broadway's in general. Do you kind of forgive like 10 minutes of kind of fat in there? I'm, I'm,
0: I mean, in general, I think if it's a Broadway, I want it to be uh, engaging throughout, if I'm going to rank it very highly. I'm, I mean, if there's 10 minutes or 15 minutes I think is just kind of meh as the overall match, that would hurt it a pretty good deal, I would think, on my overall rating.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for me, this is one of the things that makes Bockwinkle really good is that Bockwinkle is a guy who could be sitting in a headlock say and still make that quite interesting to me right. um, the way you know he cried I mean I had the Robinson uh, bot match early, earlier up it's, it's just the little things that he does um, that you know I think things looking painful is uh, always important to me and um, like whether he's taking it or giving it things always seem painful in a bot winkle match yeah. so um y- that's uh, it's my number thirty now, yeah. Yes. So my number thirty is Billy Robinson versus Jumbo sruta This is three twenty three seventy seven. Now, have you seen this one?
0: Yes, I uh, liked it a lot, but not enough for the list.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So this is a this is a really good match. It's actually the second of two bouts they had in uh, March. Yeah, I, and-
0: I think I actually like the one from early a little bit better.
2: Yeah.
1: So,
0: three, what is it? Three five or something around three,
2: there? Three five seventy seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, surprise, surprise, that's also on the list. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the thing is with Billy Robinson is that even though the psychology is really good, he, to in my mind, he's like a kind of bomb worker, <laughs> um, because like Jumbo brings all of his massive bombs uh, in this match. And Robinson's like right there with him and he brings out that, you know, the swank uh Billy Robinson backbreaker obviously and the, the neck breakers and you know, everything's focused, everything makes sense, but it's also kind of like cool, high impact work as well, uh which I'm I'm always been a mark for. So um yeah, and uh really helping uh Jumbo's uh snowflake count here. I I think Jumbo may uh, we're gonna have to do statistics, Chad, on who the most represented workers are on our lists right uh, I think jumbo is probably going to be the most represented worker on my list um looking at these uh looking at looking at things uh, and how they turn out so uh what's your twenty nine my uh, twenty nine is Negro
0: casas versus um Hijo del santo from nine seventeen ninety seven that's the match we talked about last time it was your number eighty nine <laughs> uh, so, a pretty big difference, but uh, yeah, you can hear our thoughts in part one
2: on that one. So, my uh, 29 is Ric Flair versus Jumbo Saruta, which is 6.883, and we also discussed that in part one.
0: Yeah, let me uh, let me plug that in, and then I'll see where I had that one for me. It was a good bit lower as well. Um, let's see. Ooh, it was... That match was lower for me than I thought. Eighty-five. Yeah, oh, eighty-five. That's Interesting. An, another match that good. That, yeah, eighty-five.
2: Another another little piece of symmetry there, look, Judd. Yeah. Where uh, and it's it's like and I I think that speaks to the quality of where we both because I'm pretty high on that match, uh, the ninety-seven one that you just mentioned, and you're pretty high on this one. So right, sure. It it's a match being in the eighties is not a slight well, on the match. Oh
0: no, yeah, I mean <laughs> we're talking about eighty out of. I would guess probably 5,000 I think that's probably safe to say oh at least yeah sure
2: yeah so um, what about your 28?
0: so my 28 is one that I'm sure is not on your list it is Kiyoshi Tamura versus Yoshisha Yamamoto from Rings six twenty four nineteen ninety nine. 1999 my match of the year so far for 1999 I'd be surprised if something eclipses it um, And this was the other match I was talking about. I alluded to earlier about Charles being really high about it, because this is now his number two match of the 1990s overall. Wow! Okay. Um, and then this one's a 20-minute uh, match instead of the 30-minute before, but also just a great pace, some uh, great uh, submission work here. And the final minutes where there's a KO that's in play is uh, pretty dramatic for shoot style, but not in a I think overly dramatic way where there's still a semblance of it. There's there's actually some debate on whether this is a shoot or a uh, or a work match. So that kind of tells you how well. In in my opinion, it's work, and that kind of tells you how well they uh, didn't. Portray
2: that. I'm uh, I'm more curious about the ring stuff than you might imagine, actually, Chad. I, rings, I think you
0: might like a decent amount. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I'm just I don't know the the fact that the the fact that you talked about the pace uh, at which it works, and this is the second match that you've uh, put pretty high up now. I don't know. I, I at least need to see these matches that you're picking here, I reckon.
0: Yeah, I would at least watch a smattering of Tamura before the greatest wrestler ever, because like I said, he's going to be a top 25 for me, for sure.
2: So my 28 is another John Cena match, Chad. It's John Cena versus JBL, Justin Bradshaw-Layfield yeah. from five twenty-two o five. Is this one on your list?
0: It is not, and it's one I definitely need to watch again, because I remember liking it a ton when I watched it, but it has been a long time. Uh, I remember it being extremely bloody.
2: Yeah, I mean, talk about things that you're surprised happened in the WWE ring. Right. Um, This is called getting heat on a heel, and then uh, payback basically, Um, and they showed a tremendous package uh, before this match, just showing how much heat they were getting on JBL at this time. Um, uh, And he was, uh, you know, cutting all sorts of uh, promos and um, yeah, uh, really good match. Um, Lots of really memorable spots in this one. Um, And they keep on kind of like, you keep on asking, well, where's it going to go now? What could they possibly do now type thing? Um, so it kind of uh d- builds and uh, d- builds and builds in that way. Um, I was really... Sp- and tons of blood. Both guys just bleed buckets. Um, I'm a big fan of heat sequences, Chad, as you know. Mm-hmm. JBL's heat sequence in this match is just... I mean, in terms of basic wrestling psychology... Is a perfect setup for the payoff that comes later on, um, especially when uh, JBL tries to, to run away and Cena's like, "No, absolutely not! You're not going. You're not going anywhere." Um, he slams him off the off the uh, off the, um, the the truck at one point, and then he, he 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 blasts him through that glass sign that they've got on the stage there. Um yeah it's just a perfect uh, piece of business and um like Cena's just booked as a perfect baby face you know he 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 generates the sympathy and then he's like a total badass in the in the payoff so um another really good performance from uh, Cena and uh easily I would say JBL's career performance in that match nice. so <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's one on my uh, two-watch list. Number 27, this will be another one on your Joshi watch list. It's Dynamite Kanzai in Osaka versus Yamada and to- uh, Manami Toyota. This is the main event of Dream Slam 2, which I don't know if you're familiar with the Dream Slam cards. Are you, Parv? Um,
2: no, not really.
0: They're kind of famous, uh, interpromotional uh, Joshi cards. Both were about six hours long. Uh, just kind of all the Joshi promoter coming together This is actually the second match these two teams had with each other. It's two out of three falls uh, Just a really great match uh, I think the thing that sticks out for this is this has one of the the first fall is very quick And I think this does the that first fall Surprise finish better than any other match uh, But then this match really settles down and um it's a match I kinda didn't know. I, I knew I liked it a lot, but when I rewatched the '93 yearbook, it kind of took it over the top and became a five-star match for me.
2: Well, my '27 is a uh, Ric Flair versus Terry Funk, seven twenty-three eighty-nine. This is Great American Bash. Now, did did you pick this one already?
0: Yeah, I'm not. It's coming up, but we'll uh, discuss it here. So this is kind of certainly where we were talking about with the post match. Um, being part of the overall package here.
2: Yeah, why didn't you remind me what that post match was? Well,
0: it's you got Sting, you got Muda. It's one of it's uh, out of control. Ends up in the uh, in the and they're in the announce booth and just yeah. a wild and just really feels wild and out of control. But the match itself is uh. Wonderful too. Um, kind of nice to see Flair win clean, but Funk still comes out looking like a viable challenger based on the post-match and him, you know, kind of losing his mind.
2: Yeah, part of me is um, always surprised that they kind of the Terry Funk did have this run in 1989. Here, right? Like it, it just seems like um, too much of like a hardcore fan's wet dream that it actually happened, type of thing. Because um, he wasn't, like, around. It's not like he was... Uh, I mean, in fact, had he ever been in... He hadn't really been around Crockett at all. No, yeah.
0: Um,
2: it's, it's a little bit like the the Steamboat Flair stuff in 94, where it's like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And I think the common denominator in both times is that Flair was booking, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> so, um, it's kind of like Rick Flair books like a... Basically, books himself. Um, it to like a hardcore fans wet dream type thing. So um yeah, but br- brilliant match. Um have it at twenty seven. Uh we reviewed it back with uh back on the Great American Bash eighty nine show. Yeah. Twenty six chad. Twenty
0: six for me, and I'm interested to see if you had this one on your list or if you haven't watched it, it's Jerry Lawler versus Bill D from December thirtieth, nineteen eighty five.
2: No, I haven't got that yet in okay. my Memphis viewing.
0: Well, um, I, I said I. I think I said in the first part that I neglected some of the Memphis. Um, but but I did watch this one and another match coming up, and boy, they hold up. This is the uh, second Loser League Town match they had, and just a great uh, match. I, I think the buildup to this one is actually my favorite of, uh, of all of them. Um, it's just a great angles all around it. But then uh, the punches here, Lawler, uh, it, there's there's just I mean these matches, these two kind of personify Memphis and of that type of violent style of them punching, kicking each other in violent fashion. Uh, they kind of are the, uh, I guess they're the signature of that style, and this is the signature. Series and matches
2: of it. Well, where I am right now, Chad. Um, Dundee will probably finish above Lawler in my greatest wrestler ever list. Oh. Um, but I still, I've still got a lot more Memphis to watch. Um, so, but, but I've like, as you can remember, whenever I've seen Bill Dundee, he's been amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, whereas I cannot say the same for for, for Jerry the King. So I'm just interested to know where you are on uh, Dundee as a as a worker.
0: Oh, I like Dundee a lot. Um, I think Dundee suffers from he doesn't have the. I mean, Dundee's a good studio worker, and this is where something like great match theory I may be uh, ranking higher because. Um, I mean, I just think about lawyer Sure, like in the studio matches, D- Dundee may shine in a six-minute match more. But uh, I, I, I mean Lawler. You have the rich stuff. You have the Funk stuff. You have the Dundee stuff. You have his stuff in WWF. There's just kind of stuff that goes on and on and on. And with Dundee, it's like, well, I know he's had a lot of good, you know, good matches, but it's kind of like there's Lawler's feud, and then there's everything else. I mean, Lawler also has the uh, King Kong Bundy match, and I, I don't know. There's just a. Uh, seems to be a wider uh, breadth of individuals.
2: So my 26, Chad, and this is the first match in this feud I think that either of us have talked about. It's Jumbo Tsuruta and Tenryu taking on Ricky Choshu and Choshu Yaki Yatsu. This is 2587. Did you pick this one already? I can't remember.
0: No. um, Another one of the uh, very good but not good enough crew.
2: Uh, I hope, I hope you're not going to say that about uh, the other match that I have of theirs here. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, now this is the sort of match that could get lost in the mix. I think from because there's so many matches around, like like that these guys have around this time. Um, but a match like two five eighty seven, I, I mean, I gave it five stars, and I just think that if you watch that alone in isolation on any other night you'd say, oh, this is one of the best matches I've ever seen type thing. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend, uh, for me, the thing with those guys is the pace that they work. It's just insane. Like, um, and I don't, I don't actually think that you, I reckon you could hold up these guys and put them up against the Masawa and Kawadas. And, uh, I don't think they work any slower or do any less. um, and uh, something actually occurred to me when you were talking about Tawei earlier, Chad, is that um, could you do a, a Tawei Yatsu comparison? Because I think Yatsu is phenomenal. <laughs> like he really he came out of that All Japan set, and I just thought well, Yatsu is just amazing. So yeah, Yatsu
0: um, Yatsu is a really great. Um, I'd say probably shorter, I guess, greatness span than where I mean, Yatsu has like a five-year window, and then it's almost like he falls off the map. Um, whereas Towa has at least you know ten to thirteen years where he surprises you and does something great. Um, but but yeah. yeah, I think they're both kind of those under the radar picks that you can uh, find as sentimental favorites when you go through the footage.
2: Yeah. So so for me that for me the difference is though, Chad. Is that in a lot of those tag matches, Tawei seems like the four man, like the four, like he's holding his own, but he's still probably the fourth best guy a lot of the time. Whereas I reckon in a lot of the these matches, for me, Yatsu seemed like the top one or two worker in the match, like it, or even MVP in some cases. Um, that that's what, like, I can't remember many tags where Tawei comes out feeling like he could be the MVP whereas for me Yatsu's constantly in contention and probably came like I probably came out of the set higher on him than I did on Ricky Choshu for example.
0: Mm. Yeah that's interesting. Um yeah, I'd probably have a slightly lower take than that.
2: So what's your 25?
0: My 25 is Kawada and Tenre versus Hansen and Gordy from 12 1688 so
2: we can which we've just discussed kind of podcast that. My 25 Probably going to be my most controversial pick overall, I would say. It's Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar from 3.29.15, Chad. <laughs> um, yeah, you is, are uh, going to have to
0: turn in your old school car.
2: Which is from WrestleMania this year, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, people were surprised at the time that I gave this five stars. I think this is still one of the most brutal matches ever to take place in a WWE ring. I there were moments in it where I genuinely wondered whether it was a shoot um they both played hard way I want to say I mean people have have conspiracy theories on that right that right
0: that, uh, brock, well brock, I I, th- I think for sure brock blighted at least some
2: yeah but it seemed it seemed to me that roman at least was getting bruised up by brock in that match um isn't this where he busted out the Suplex uh, City bitch line?
0: This is uh, where Suplex City bitch first uh, yeah, yeah
2: debut. It was so cool then. I, I, don't like, I don't like them turning it into a catchphrase, obviously, but, you know, it's WE, so you have to forgive them that, I guess. Um, and yet, yeah, for me, in contention for greatest WrestleMania match of all time, the fact that it just happened this year doesn't make any difference to me. Um, yes. Now, people will talk about the finish, won't they? Yes, um, I just don't care. So how, how about that for an argument? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I. In fact, I actually thought it was a really smart piece of, but really smart piece of booking because you need the belt off Brock. You need you cannot have him pinned. So it's a perfect piece of, uh, and you ultimate and you deny the you deny the fans the finish they want to see, thereby creating a heel. It makes perfect sense. Um, so I, I'll defend that finish from a booking point of view doesn't really take away from, from the match either because it was that brutal and that insane that um, well there it is I've ranked it as the 25 best match I've ever seen So yeah
0: wow Yeah, to me the finish makes sense from a, a booking standpoint didn't quite work out execution wise um, it hasn't quite panned out to me in the uh subsequent months and also it it just felt like a cop out to that type of brutal match we were seeing so
2: yeah
0: it, it hurt it a good bit but
2: um great match what, what, what i'll say is though anybody wants to say that women's match from the was it the Sasha who 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 was that match again oh Uh-oh. Sasha
0: Banks versus uh Becky Lynch and then Sasha I Banks mean, versus Bailey
2: come on how can people talk about a match that this match happened this year Re- Reigns versus Lesnar can anybody say that other one is in, even in the same universe as this anyway match uh, talking point for a different show I guess one, one with me not on it
0: <laughs> do you watch pro wrestling do you love pro wrestling we do too
2: and there's only one podcast feed that you can't miss pwo ptbn podcast network that's the pro wrestling only
1: place to be nation podcast network we have a host of brilliant shows dedicated to wrestling past and present whether it's the territories japan lucha old school
0: or new school we've got something for you
2: get a dose of history on Exile On bad street
1: with chris Zelda. listen to reviews of current pay-per-views on the ptbn reaction shows not just wwe but new japan ring of honor and nxt and get your weekly update on everything else that's going on in the indies, lucha, and beyond on This Week in Wrestling.
0: Relive WCW Supercards on where the big boys
2: play with Parv and Chad. Join Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave on one of
1: the very best shows for super hardcore nerds wrestling culture. Go deep into WWF history and discover the Bob Backlund and Bruno Sammartino eras on Titans of Wrestling. Don't miss the Pro Wrestling Super Show. With Stephen Graham
2: and Tim Livingston. You can get the full-on client of Goodwill Wrestling.
1: Good old Will. There's Tag Teams back again: Kelly and Marty Sleeve. Then there's the only pro wrestling game show, Brain Buster, with me, Johnny Sorrow, and a panel of great guests every time. Get them all in one feed: PWOPTBN, Podcast Network. You
0: know you want to hear it.
2: So there it is. Uh, you heard a lot of great shows there in the break. Um, check them all out. And we are on the home stretch now, Chad. Are you excited for the last one?
0: <laughs> Let's see if we can push through. Uh may not be as in-depth with some of these because we're kind of getting into your standard classics, but uh still fun to see what ranks for us, I think.
2: Do you want to switch up? Shall I go first?
0: Yeah, go ahead. That'd be cool.
2: My, my 24 is the second of those Billy Robinson versus Jumbo matches. 3-5-77. Um, okay. um, this one, a little bit less uh, bomb-heavy than the, than the first one that, that I um, talked about, which is probably why you liked it a bit more, Chad.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely like the, uh, I guess, the table setting of this one. Um, um, a little better.
2: Yeah, and um, I mean, for me... Um, if I was going to say anything, is that Jumbo in the 70s is, to me, still a world-class in contention for best in the world, um, especially from 75 onwards. As far as I can tell, Jumbo was just amazing every single bit of his career, apart from the comedy match part, which I refuse to watch. So, um, have you ever seen any comedy match Jumbo, Joe?
0: A little bit. It's kind of depressing in I, its own way
2: it's, it's sad you know just like so I don't really wanna I don't really want to watch it but um like to me for his entire like when he was able and working he has a resume that I'd put with anybody who's ever set foot in the ring um, very very likely gonna be my number one um, for like I don't actually know what could happen now to stop jumbo being number one and uh, mm. I think what you're seeing in this list is the reason why. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't like how many great matches is Masawa gonna have to have to get more in my top hundred than than Jumbo is. Right. Do, do Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I sure. Think, I think it's the '70s stuff that helps put him over the top. It's certainly what helped put him over the top of Flair, um, and it may even come down to we've got more jumbo in the 70s than we've got flair in the 70s
0: right yeah
2: that's fair so your uh, tw- your 24 my number
0: 24 is volano 3 versus atlantis this is from march 17 2000 uh, mask versus mask two legends um oh, is that the same
2: atlantis who crops up uh, in the early 80s
0: yes same one um just a great match with high emotion uh very interesting in that you don't know who will win uh the ending is of great uh it's it's very up in the air if you know the st- i mean the stature of these two men was uh pretty equal going into this match and it made for a very uh, dramatic match overall, with a highly emotional finish, as uh, most of the high-profile mass matches are in Mexico. So, I, I, this is one I think you would enjoy, Parf.
2: Great. Well, I, I'll. Um, I I think my priority list at the moment, Chad, is the women's first, then rings, then maybe the lucha. How about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about the? Uh- 2000 indies, or you're done with
2: that. Uh, <laughs> t- screw that. Although, I, I probably will watch um, that Joe uh, Punk match that you Joe mentioned. Punk, yeah. just, out of, just out of curiosity. Um, so, uh, my 23 is nice and straightforward. It's Bockwinkel versus Henig, 11 We've nice. just discussed it. Yeah, sure.
0: So my 23 is one that I don't think you've mentioned, unless I'm mistaken. So I don't think at this point in time it made your list. And that's Stan Hansen versus Kenta Kobashi from 729.93.
2: Let me just uh, have a look there. I think you might be right. 729.93, you said? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't see it on my little list here. Uh, No. I don't see
2: it. I I don't think it's there. No. I can't see it.
0: And that's a match I love. I think, uh, you know, Hansen just gives a complete (laughs) ass beating where that's the match, if you'll remember, where he straight on kicks Kabashi in the the face and doesn't hold back at all. And um, I love that this kind of showed to me that uh, kind of how Orton, you know, manning up against Foley Kabashi manning up against Hanson here uh, kind of brings him to another level, the fans are behind him, then you get the sick finish with the lariat from the top rope, uh, kind of puts a capper on this violent spectacle
2: Yeah no, I, I, I reviewed that not long ago, um, really good, but I, I think what it is with these guys with Kabashi with Hansen it's so many good matches, you know. Uh, it's yeah. like uh, so some are gonna get lost in the in the mix. Um, my uh twenty two Chad is Billy Robinson versus Giant Barber seven twenty four seventy six. And you uh, you picked that one already, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I had that one number forty eight.
2: So, so we so we discussed that top of uh, top of the show.
0: Yep, and my 22 we just discussed uh, recently, it was Fomp versus Flair from the Great American Bash uh, 1989
2: So, here's a my 21 is a possibly a, another controversial pick for placement uh, but not for high placement, but for low placement It is Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin tweet three twenty three ninety seven. 97 Um, I just think that some people might expect this to be top five. Um, And certainly, in terms of WWE, um, I'd have it in the top five matches of WWE um, history. Uh, I'm guessing you have this higher chance.
0: Oh, yeah. This one's uh, higher for me, but we can go ahead and talk about this now. Um, Well let's hold off a little bit because okay. I have a talking right. point with that one Cool, um, right. actually for that one and 21 I'm sure is higher on your list so you can decide whether we talk about it now or how it all but it's a series we just recently touched on but it's Jumbo and Tenryu versus Choshu and Yatsu from 128
2: 1986 um, well it's a, it is a fair bit higher on my list uh, we can talk about it now if you want um, wh- when I watched it I thought this was the greatest tag match I'd ever seen. Um, and Not only that, I thought it was the greatest match I'd ever seen at that point. Um, and uh, obviously now, you know, with reflection and thinking about it, taking an emotion out of it and so on, uh, as things shake out, it hasn't finished number one. I can reveal that. Um, but it was in contention. Um, I just think it's absolutely amazing, this match. Um, blow away great, and, um, you know, the thing is, is that, um, you know, as we've come on to discuss, I think Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin is blow-away great, and that's 21. We're just at the point in the list now, Chad, where, like, all of these are probably, like, number one contenders at this point. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, we have a ton, I mean, we really have just a ton of footage from What do you think? Like 1980 on or, you know, 1983 or 4 on, especially. And before that, you still have a boatload of stuff. So saying something's the 21st best match you've ever seen is very high praise. But this, to me, is by uh, not by far, but um, really is by far when you look at it from a match standpoint. But I thought this was the best match of the series all action, just kicked it up a notch this was another one I watched in the greatest wrestling ever marathon and man, what you know, just a classic match uh, with a great finish, I'd, I'd forgotten how good and hectic the finish was with the saves and everything, it, it was fantastic.
2: And, and I, I think you'd agree with this as well that in the context of watching the AT the, the set Shoshu turning up was like night and day is like yeah. he, he turns up and everything changes, like the style changes, suddenly the atmosphere changes, something happens. It's, it's yeah. like, you know,
0: there's. You felt things were getting pretty stale. Yeah. And then he comes up, and then right after him, you have Jumbo Tenru, and then right after Tenru leaves, you have Masawa. So it's like he is the Kickstarter of really a decade of just amazing stuff.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't want to to talk on this point too much, but I think some of that is some of that is down to the match selection, because of course um, the committee didn't like uh, Bruiser Brody, for example, and we don't like Bruiser Brody. But I, I I suppose if you're a fan watching all Japan at that time, a lot of the kind of the excitement and the wildness would have been around him, you know. Right. Um. But whereas we ended up watching a lot of the more technical matches, you know, Matt work. Matt work heavy stuff, so, um, you know, it, it's kind of like it goes to what we ended up watching on the set. But certainly Choshu is, um, I mean, I can just say no, he doesn't crop up on my list to, again outside of that match. But, um, like, the comparison I always make, Chad, is like to The Rock or someone like that. He just makes everything feel more special when he's around. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because he just looks cool. I don't know. I don't know what he does to to make that happen. But um, it just, like, things feel a bigger deal when he's there. So it's top uh, 20 time, Chad. Wow. Okay. So my 20. It's Jack Briscoe versus Giant Barber. <laughs> Twelve five 5, 74. Have you seen this one? Uh,
0: It's one that doesn't ring a bell, so it's certainly one I need to give another look at.
2: This is the one that I actually uploaded myself, because I felt that people needed to see it. Um, I got it from my Jack Briscoe comp. God knows where the trader got it. Um, I haven't actually seen it anywhere else. Uh, So, um, try to track that down if you can. It is on YouTube, although uh, if you search for it, you won't find it, because I have all my videos unlisted. (laughs) But um, if you go in my Jack Briscoe microscope thread, there's a link in there. Um,
0: Well, now there's there's one on YouTube that says it's from twelve to seventy four. Yeah,
2: so so this is like um, so basically, if you didn't know, Jack Briscoe was a two time NWA champion because he dropped the belt to Barbara, and this match is the return bout where Barbara comes in as the champion. Okay. So so that first match, Chad, is... Um, the more switch. More Is the switch. And it's more of a kind of psychological affair, if you want, um, with Briscoe working as a de facto heel. Although it's, it's more babyface versus babyface, to be honest. Um, although he's kind of on the back foot. Um, here, obviously, he's trying to get the belt back. And um, it's the closest thing to, uh, you know... I, for me um I'd, i'm just having a look this is probably aside from one other match which uh, you know which you know what it is chad and we're going to discuss it in <laughs> in a bit um this is my pick for probably the match of the 70s um, nice. in terms of pure wrestling um yeah f- phenomenal all round uh, i was blown away by it so other people who watched it were very high on it as well Um, I think Pete also gave it four and three quarters. I've actually retroactively upgraded it to five stars. I gave it four and three quarters when I watched it, when I reviewed it. I watched it again and thought, actually, comparing it to everything else I've seen in the 70s, it's probably the best match I've seen from the 70s. So, um, Briscoe versus Barber. What's your 20?
0: My number 20 is... Uh, match we'll probably be talking about pretty soon too It's uh, Masawa and Kabashi Versus Kawada and Taue From twelve three ninety three. I think this is just A sublime Selling job by Taue I am mean, A by Kawada uh, Kawada is just Absolutely awesome in this match um, Masawa and Kabashi Work together in harmony And systematically destroy his leg and as good as he sold in that 12-16-88 match we talked about he even reaches another level here and I love Kabashi getting the pinfall over him I think that was a smart decision
2: yeah and um Chad would, would you agree that um, uh, Kabashi Kawada interactions in this match kind of take center stage yeah <sighs> Yeah, I think um, and and I think they
0: had that match um, in October that sold out the Budokan, and I I think that was a really important thing. I I mean I I during the All Japan Excite Series, you talked about how Masawa can kind of take a back seat a little bit in some of these tags. Yeah. Uh I think he does to a degree. <laughs> And some of them. Um, this is probably one of them where he's probably the third most important person in this match. Um, but but in this match, to me, Kawada is clearly number one. Like I'm somebody that right now has Kabashi and Masawa ahead of Kawada, but I think this is the best match Kawada ever wrestled, and he's still like a top fifteen wrestler of all time in my eyes. And this is his masterpiece.
2: Is this the all time best uh, leg cell job? Do you think?
0: I think so. It's up there. If if not, I, I mean, it's my number twenty match, and kind of on the basis of that. So
2: I, I, I'm just thinking, what would the all time best legs sort or of cell drop list look like? I want to say uh, Randy Savage is in there.
0: Yeah, just probably something.
2: SummerSlam ninety two, maybe. <laughs> um, anyway, let's uh, let's carry on. Uh, but yeah, that one is higher up on my list, uh, Chad. Um, my nineteen is. War games, not 92, 91, 22491, mm-hmm. Sting, Pillman, Steiners versus Flair, Larry Zabisco, Barry Windham, and Big Sid Vicious. Um, yeah, so obviously I think everybody's mind goes to Sid uh, power bombing Pillman on the top of the cage and almost killing him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think this is pretty it's actually maybe become overrated because it's overshadowed by the other by the 92 match um so it's so people don't talk about it enough so it's a little bit underrated i think it's a great match i, I yeah, you know, i gave it five stars when we reviewed it chad um probably my uh probably my favorite match of 91 that we saw um yeah take it it's not on your list period
0: no, yeah, this one's a fringe one, another one, but uh, probably the best opening of War Games. Another match we've talked about a lot, but it, it, certainly a great addition of War Games. I have no beef with it being on your list or even this high. Um, It's it's a fabulous match. What's your nineteen? My nineteen is Flare Steamboat Russell War eighty nine. So we talked about that before, and that match kind of speaks on its own
2: anyway yeah the, the the one thing i wanted to say i just came up with this so it could be nonsense but what about the chita rumble is the single the the clash six is the album and the uh <laughs> and uh the rest of war is the greatest hits
0: like the compilation yeah, yeah. nice <laughs> um
2: okay so so 18 uh that is uh jumbo and yatsu versus tenryu and hansen from twelve, six, eight, nine, which i want to say you had on your list Yeah,
0: I did, but it was uh, really wow. 12,689. You had that one a lot higher than me. uh, I had a 93. So.
2: Yeah, well, maybe that goes to part of the uh, Yatsu mark, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's probably the last great Yatsu performance because he falls off a cliff in '90, from what I yeah. Saw.
0: I mean, he's going to SWS, and he—I mean—he has some good matches. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, yeah, really, when watching the All Japan set, Yatsu was a, a worldwide one of the best in the world, and he. <laughs> That level.
2: What did he do? He went at all the rice in Japan by the looks of things. I guess. <laughs> um, okay, so 18 for you.
0: Uh, yeah, my number 18, and I'm shocked you have this match higher than me. Um, I, I assume you do, but it's John Cena versus Brock Lesnar from Extreme Rules 2012.
2: Well, it's funny you say that, Chad, because it's uh, literally my 17 match. Oh,
0: nice. <laughs> so- okay.
2: Perfect placement We can talk about it (laughs) Uh,
0: This is the best match to me Of both these guys' career And uh Violent Brock I'll always remember Brock Like diving into the ropes Um Just completely out of control Vibe An electric Big fight atmosphere Uh Awesome match
2: Yeah I mean What else do do you say Um Uh, I'm just trying to remember where I actually reviewed this. Did I do it recently, or did I do it...
0: I I think it's been a little while. Um,
2: Did I do it a while back?
0: I I Um, mean, it's been a few months, at least.
2: This, um... So, Brock Lesnar, for me, is... um, Really, I'm wondering how high I can go on him for Greatest Wrestler Ever. Because, for me, he is, like, the, the story of the past five maybe even 10 years. Um, I just think the guy's a phenomenon, you know? Uh, And it's it's something I haven't really talked about that much, I don't think. But um, he's blown me away. I mean, how many times has he cropped up on this list? At least twice? Three times, maybe?
0: Yeah, three Uh, times, because you got the Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, man. Yeah,
2: so three matches on this list. Um, Cena, as we've talked about, is a a great baby face. But I I just think that... uh, by 2012, Lesnar had his character work really down. You know, I, like I actually prefer him in this late iteration, like the like current day Brock, basically. Oh yeah. To yeah. to the young kind of punk Brock that we saw um, in that Undertaker match. Um, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say. I'm guessing this has been talked to death, right? This match.
0: Yeah, this is a match that kind of justifiably. Carries high regard. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I guess. How do I phrase this? I think this match, while it gets its due in some regard, it also doesn't in a weird way. Where like people will rank it high. It's it's one of those matches where, um, you know, watching that top one hundred, like Mick Foley, Cactus Jack versus Triple H from Royal Rumble two thousand, was on that list, and this match was on that list. And that's a match to me that I think a lot of people would see as equal or may even prefer is Triple H and Cactus Jack.
2: The Royal Rumble match?
0: Yes, the Royal Rumble match.
2: Right, yeah. Um,
0: but watching those in that short confine of the top 100, I really think this match is very favorable towards that one because the violence here is more intensified and disgusting. I mean, this match starts off with, I mean, shoot punches or elbows from Brock, where Cena's cut open hard way from the head. Um, there, there, it's just a great, boring match.
2: I, I think the quality about Brock, though, I think we all love. Um, but the thing that really um, stands out to me... Um, is, is what you said, uh, Chad. It's like, is it is this veering over into a shoot? Um And the only other guy who has that quality is Vader, really, that I can think of. Right. Where it's like, he's hitting them so hard. It's so insane that, um, uh, you know, y- you wonder whether he's crossing a line, whether he's, whether it's, uh, you know, whether he's actually hitting him. So, um yeah. Shall we? Shall we move on? Um, I think uh, the very high placement of that match here speaks volumes. Um, sure. On both of our parts. so it's your seventeen because that was so my seventeen. My number seventeen
0: is a match we've also talked about in this Negro Casas versus El Dandy. Um, mm. From uh, I have a uh, seven five ninety two. Seven. I say I said seven three ninety two. Seven
2: it three. I, I think it's seven
0: three. I think it is seven three. Anyway, anyway,
2: so. yeah. No, I mean, classic match. Um, that one we we discussed it. Sure. So my sixteen. Um, now this is one that you've preempted a little bit, Chad. It's Sergeant Slaughter versus Pat Patterson, five four eighty one. Reviewed it on Titans not too long ago, and um, yeah, I mean, we're getting now into matches that start to transcend wrestling, Chad. <laughs> um in fact that scene of brock one probably does as well um this one uh visceral hatred um um, slaughters just so good in 1981 like he's so over as a heel pat patterson has got this real kind of like he comes out wearing this i love new york t-shirt and it's kind of like (laughs) it's kind of I don't know he's like clearly at the tail end of his career and it's like the one last he needs to take out this one last piece of trash before he retires type of thing and I I don't know I I absolutely love the dynamic in this feud um like we watched the whole feud obviously and within the context of that this was just the best payoff imaginable um and uh, I only realized this in the first part I said the best match that we've seen on Titans was Baccham versus Patera. Clearly, it's this one. It's Slaughter versus Patterson. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see people talk this one up enough, really. Um, I just think it's just head and shoulders above anything else around it until Slaughter versus Sheik, <laughs> um, which is probably the best match in WWE for a decade. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm guessing you're not quite as high on me. On, no, on this one.
0: yeah, just not quite as high on it. But a uh, really good match. Um, also,
2: uh, uh, see uh, I th- what sends it over the top, Chad. Is just that feeling that it's just a bit more. It's, it's got to the point where it's actually personal, and it's kind of you're starting to see like into the soul of the two men. And uh, maybe maybe you you didn't get that from it, but uh, no. uh okay. So what's your 16? My number sixteen
0: is uh also I'd kind of raise you have your own personal bra, I raise you this one. This is Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee six six nineteen eighty three. That is their first Loser Leafs Town match. Um I talked about it earlier, but this one to me has some of the best I think this probably do I want to say. It's it's one of the best punches in the matches I've ever seen. Um there's a couple more on my list that may contend that, but it's up there, and this is just everything here is just violent and, and uh, visceral from the double stop to the punches to sending each other into the ring post. It's uh, it's quite a spectacle, spectacle and a heated match.
2: So, um, my fifteen, Chad, and uh, in fact, I might I might skip ahead on my Memphis viewing and uh, just watch those. Two matches in isolation. I don't like to do that. I like to feel like I earn earn it, do you know what I mean? Yes. But I, I also feel like I'm running out of time and need to cherry pick sometimes as well, you know. So um I may I may have to do that with a Memphis set. Um which uh, feels like cheating, but I also feel like that set is not gonna be too kind of five star match heavy as well. Judging Fuck. judging by things so far. Um my 15 is uh, Masawa, versus is the Total Ass Kicker Jumbo 9190, we discussed it already Right, sure
0: Okay, so we can move on from there, let me just record it, right. and my 15 is also one that uh, we've discussed and that is Ric Flair versus Ron Garvin, the title switch Wow, you're high on that, aren't you? Yeah, so I added a number fifteen. It's a match that, when I look at my list, I'm thinking, do I really like this match that much? And I keep telling myself, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) That it's the
2: so so that's a five star match for you, Jeff. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Okay.
0: Not not even really close. Um, It's it's a great great match.
2: So my my fourteen is one we've already discussed as well. It's uh, the companion piece to the alley fight, the slaughter versus Iron Sheik six one 84
0: Yeah, just uh that's a that's an awesome match, the boot camp match um, that we talked about. Now my fourteen, I right before on air we didn't talk very often, but uh, I did mention to part that I watched a match today. In fact, that I thought might be my number one overall because it had been a few years since I'd seen it, and it actually dropped. And that's uh, Dynamite Kanzai in Osaka versus Toyota and Yamada. And this is from uh, 11.
2: <laughs> I thought, Chad, I thought you were about to say Dynamite Kid versus, uh, versus no. Tiger Mask.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> Not quite. Um, mm-hmm. and this is from 11-26-1992 and this is a, a show entitled Dream Rush and now this is a famous Joshi match par but, uh, some people do call this the best match of all time
2: yeah, and I, is I, this the one from 92? yeah, I think yeah, JDW
0: yeah, yeah. does Um, it's in contention, I know for Pete, Elf, and Charles um, and it's a match I've, I mean I actually initially I'll just kind of Peek behind the curtain. Uh, until today, I had this one as number uh, seven, so it, it dropped a few spaces down to number fourteen. I mean, it was still amazing, um, c- uh, incredible pace, great story. Konzai is a beast throughout, um, but uh, but yeah, it dropped ever so slightly. So we'll see.
2: And any particular reason? And I, I, I think I think
0: once we get this far up the list every viewing i have of these matches really has to kick me in the stomach on an emotional level when i rewatch it yeah and that one didn't quite pack that punch
2: no i i totally get that as well chad and um i i will say that all of these matches probably from 17 right up to 1 have something that pushes it over the some emotional hit that Puts it over the top. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, so I I, t- I totally understand that. So it's my thirteen now. Yes. Yeah, my thirteen is Masawa and Kobashi versus Kawada and Taiwei five twenty one ninety four. Okay, so
0: that's so. When I talked about, let me see, where did I have? Oh, I have that at forty four. So nice. Yeah. It it it. I I gotta say, part just like seeing where how high you rank these all Japan matches now. It really makes me anticipate um I'm with the late tonight stuff where you're gonna be going in the next couple of years 'cause unless you have some pretty contrarian thoughts uh there should be some additions here
2: yeah I- no, I, I fully expect that, and um you know maybe if we ever get uh, i don't know show one fifty say chad we will do this again.
0: I don't know, we'll see I don't, I, I'm ready to make this a yearly thing as of now, but we'll we'll see if we get there um, my number thirteen is l Dandy versus l Santanico from twelve fourteen nineteen ninety now this this kind of goes back into the dandy debate that we won't rehash, but this is a match you watched parvin you like this is their hair versus hair, but uh yeah, I remember I, 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 you liked it, but certainly not this high, and um. I, I just thought this was the perfect culmination where Dandy kind of outrudos El Satanico, which I thought was brilliant. And here you have more of where they match in October is kind of a hodgepodge. Here you have just a pretty good, uh, grand, all out brawl uh, with that great finish where Dandy acts fouled and the referees him and Santanico ends up losing his hair over it.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely one worth uh watching um i i just think i mean i'm starting to think chad that with uh with lucha that there's some i was listening to um johnny p's appearance on between the sheets recently yeah and he was talking about like how he's tried and he's tried and lucha just doesn't like connect with him for whatever reason or stuff doesn't stay with him like for whatever reason i'm 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 in that boat where it doesn't kind of it doesn't stick in the same way that... Like, I've watched that match, for example, and I I actually remember... um, I can actually picture it now. um, But for whatever reason, it just doesn't... doesn't kind of resonate with me. doesn't... doesn't stick in the... stick in the memory or something that I'd... uh, got out of my way to watch again type thing, you know? Yeah,
0: some people are like that with Joshi, too. I
2: don't know. Yeah. But, you see, I... see, the, the very few Joshi matches i watched... I remember really liking and wanting to watch more, so it's kind yeah. of like. but well, I could see that with so many different things, you know. I could imagine somebody sitting down and watching a Jim Breaks match and never wanted to watch right. world world or sport again.
0: It's a Briscoe, Baba Robinson, yeah. up to yeah. yeah.
2: No, I can imagine it with it or like if somebody's like a died-in-the-wall anti-WWE guy. Some of the WWE stuff that we've sure. watched, you know. So anyway, um, my number. 12 now is it yes 12 it's Stan Hansen versus Kawada two twenty eight ninety three. a match that basically hit me between the eyes and Stephen Graham when we watched it for the old uh, Japan Excite series we were both blown away by it um just everything I love about wrestling in one match I just thought it was amazing <laughs> um and did this make your list, period, Joe. It
0: did, but it was on uh, number 97, so we talked about it uh, about five hours ago, but it <laughs> made my list. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I feel like both me and Steven were higher on that match than it's typically given credit for.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a great, most people view it as a great match, but y'all seem to have it that extra kind of oomph ahead of most people. Um so it's yeah. interesting um, my number 12 is a, another match that I thought I had really high but I guess you had it higher and uh, really don't have to go into it as we just did on the latest where the big boys play but it's War Games 1992
2: um, yes uh, no, I do have that match higher uh, in
0: my opinion pretty pretty safely the best iteration of War Games for me um,
2: and I will I, what I will say about that match because um, it's right around the corner. Um, is uh, is that our viewing of it, Chad, actually re If if we'd have done this, like let's say three months ago, this match probably would have been I don't know up in the twenties or something. But, yeah, uh, the rewatch really hit home what an amazing match it was.
0: Yeah, I was kind of. Uh- That's true because I was looking at it, and if we'd have done this, yeah, I think a few months ago, I mean, I can see it kind of being, oh, maybe like 32 around where Cena versus Umaga and Masawa versus Jumbo is for me, and now it's, yeah, it's number 12. It it was really an extra found that extra gear and hit me emotionally. I think it hit me more emotionally this time than it had before. And I love the uh, thing that you brought to my attention, part of the simplicity of the arm bar being the uh, finisher there.
2: Yeah. Everybody firing on all cylinders uh, as well. You, you don't get that feeling too often where everybody's on the top of their game. No. Even uh, even Nikita Kolov. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, my uh, number 11 is a match that I think you had at like something ridiculous in like 95 or something. Brett Hart versus Owen Hart. I
0: knew you were going to say that match. <laughs> I already had it down there. I had it at
2: 66. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the cursing uh, Brad's kids but because uh, <laughs> you know he was saying we don't often swear. Yeah. Um, yeah seems- <laughs> but uh, come on Chad. Well if it's 66
0: it's Still yeah. Amazing!
2: It's just- for for my money, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, the greatest WWF match of all time, is Bret Hart vs Owen Hart three twenty ninety four. At number eleven, number eleven, yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> I I cannot believe we. Did not know each other's list, but we have some great symmetry because my number eleven is Bret Hart versus Steve Austin WrestleMania thirteen.
2: Well, there it is. Okay,
0: my money, the uh, best WrestleMania match of all time, and for my money, the best WWF match of all time.
2: <laughs> well, we, we talked about the brother stuff, I think, last time. So, why didn't you talk about? Why didn't you give your talking points for this uh, Austin match?
0: Um, I, I, I mean, the this is so iconic. Um, it's a moment in time when you think about visuals of really wrestling history where, I, I mean, to me, this is like if you piled on a five-star match to win Hogan beat the Iron Sheik, Um, where you get that iconic moment, but there's such an amazing match ahead of it. With the violence, uh, with the submissions, the the this feud as a whole, um, and and I do like the Survivor Series match between these two. I do need to rewatch it, and I will when I go through the yearbook.
2: Is that on your list, Judd?
0: It is not on my list. So <laughs> take that, Stephen. Graham. Take
2: that, Grimace, loser. <laughs> Um, uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to get that in. I, uh, <laughs> I
0: almost trolled you and put that as my number one, just by a surprise. <laughs> but no. Um. But yeah, this this just everything on this one. I mean, that's a pretty dreadful show. Besides this, and this is right when WWF you can see is turning the corner, um, because the early portions of '97. It's still pretty clear to me that WCW is by far ahead with the NWO angle, and it's only right around this point when the USA versus Canada stuff really ramps up that uh, it becomes competitive and then uh, WWF ends up taking over for a little bit in the summer.
2: Now, uh, do you remember when I was talking about the visuals with that Cena or Marga match? Right. Um, I, I think this is obviously like the number one visuals of all time, isn't it?
1: Yeah,
0: the, I, uh, I think so. The bloody. Um, yeah. You know, passing out and the sharpshooter.
2: I mean, I imagine WWE have shown it again and again and again. Uh,
0: yeah. That and probably Foley. Hogan, Slim, and Andre, this, and I'd say Foley full, <laughs> Flying Off the Cage are your top three. It,
2: Emotional yeah. moments. Maybe also they always show Jimmy 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 snooker. Snooker
0: surface spell ashes up there. Probably won't be showing that too much lately, but uh <laughs> yeah, for a
2: time. Um okay, top now 10 the top time. Top
0: 10. So that means neither one of us had a WWF match in the top 10.
2: So no. That summer was uh...
0: you are turning off your uh iPod as we speak, but number eleven's nothing to be ashamed about. I mean, this
2: is the WCW podcast. I mean, what yeah, that's true. that's true. That's <laughs>
0: true. Actually, and technically, since War Games is a help for me, there's no WCW match in my top ten either.
2: Yeah, well, there must be.
0: Well, I mean, they not WCW. Well, if you want to
2: call it NWA, right? Uh, right. I guess. Yeah. All right.
0: Technicality. So,
2: well. Uh, my number 10, pretty straightforward It's just Tri-Town Rumble, Flair, Steamboat nice. 22089 Like I said, the best 20 minute main event match in US history so.
0: And I'm Guessing my number 10 will have To be higher on your list uh, It's Tenryu Versus Jumbo, 6589
2: Yes it is And uh, if you don't mind uh, we c- Can we hold off on that one? Sure so, so my number nine is um, Towa and Kawada versus Masawa and Kabashi, twelve three
0: ninety three. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. So that's one we just talked about, and then I have another famous All Japan tag that you haven't got to yet. Part it is Masawa and Akiyama versus Towa and Kawada, and this one's from twelve six ninety six. This is the uh, final of the Real World Tag League because they actually had a final match. Uh start of that in 1995 where they had an official final match. Well, this one's um, another one that's in contention of best match of all time. Uh, one that JDW says is the best men's match of all time. Uh, others have put it up there in contention Pete Elf, Charles kind of our usual suspects it's up there for me the only reason it's not right at the tip tip top is again the emotional connection but this does have a great story overall with Akiyama being even kind of a lower ranked Kabashi when he starts teaming with Masawa and throughout the 96 as a whole of the year He would kind of proved himself But this match really brought that into question Where you kind of see If he's learned Everything that you know Under the tutelage of Masawa And you'll see kind of where he uh, Ends up succeeding But also failing all throughout this match And Kawada and Taue Just are relentless So it's, it's a treat I, I cannot imagine you not loving this match Part
2: yeah, I I fully expect that it would probably like I don't want to promise anything but it would probably make my top 20 yeah. by, uh, by that description. Um my uh, my 8 uh, chat is the War Games 92. So. Okay, nice.
0: Um so my number uh 8 is Akira Hokudo versus Shinobu Shinobu Kendori. For, this is from Dream Slam 1. Uh, four twelve, four two ninety three. Um, this this is basically, I mean, in some ways, this is Magnum Tully for women. Uh, there's there's some insane hate here. There's a tombstone on the table where Hokuto's uh, head makes an indent in the table, and then she's bleeding. There's some brilliant arm work. There's pure hatred between these two women. And uh, it's a delight to watch. <laughs> kind of, um, uh, two uh, uh, Kondori hadn't been pinned in years, and she was an outsider coming in um, versus an all Japan Woman wrestler. Uh, so, great storyline, a match that's enriched every time I watch it. Uh, beautiful wrestling match.
2: Yeah, and uh, I have to say, Chad, I'm a little bit blown away by how high you are on uh, some of these women's matches. You know, they're they're right up here. So yeah. uh, I guess it must they might they have to be good because uh, you know, even though we have our disagreements, Chad, I do think we align <laughs> more often than not. You know,
0: I'm interested with this if I do do the Joshi stuff though, because I can see you uh, not digging it. Okay,
2: well let's uh, let's see. All right. Well, Chad, you there? Hold on Okay Yeah, I can hear you again
0: Okay, so the twelve six ninety six tag match Like I said, I can't see you not liking that one This one, I think you would like this match But almost how with Dandy Satanico, You know, you think it's very good But, you know, kind of While mm. somebody else thinks it's that good Possibly you'd be like that for uh, this one
2: yeah. Okay. Well, I can't. Uh, it's hard to. I can't predict myself, and uh, right. So, um, but yeah, I think I well, as soon as I have like a spare weekend, I'm gonna dig into the Joshi. I reckon, um, and hopefully that dude will put some uh, on the uh, on the marathon. Yeah. What's his name? Sai. Sai.
0: Sai. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I, there should be because all that is available on YouTube. So.
2: Well my number seven, Chad, is number Masawa.
0: This is your number eight, right? Or what's your number yeah. eight?
2: My number eight was the War Games ninety two. Oh yeah, War Games ninety two. My number seven is Masawa kawada and kabashi versus Jumbo, Tawei and Fuji four twenty ninety one. Greatest six man match of all time for me. Nice. Which is always absolutely tremendous. Uh one of the all-time uh, face-in-peril uh, uh, or heat sequences, if you want, with uh, Fuchi and Jumbo getting the chair out. Just a fantastic story. It would they really go like 45 minutes. For, for me, it's a masterpiece, this match. I, we reviewed it on uh, All Panic Sight Series uh, last year. Um, just, just just, phenomenal. Is this on your list?
0: Yeah, it was uh, number 65 for me.
2: So. Yeah. Incorrect. It- <laughs> <laughs> so uh what's your number seven? <laughs>
0: uh my number seven is my top drink match from the uh, two thousand from the Ots, and it is Kenta Kobashi versus Mitsuharu Masawa, March first, two thousand three. Um this this match I'm I'm getting kinda chills actually thinking about this match par. It's it's a it's a changing of the guard. And I've never seen that done as well as this match. It is someone passing the torch. I mean, when Masawa beat Jumbo, that was a surprise. Jumbo was still the man uh, until he had the uh, the hepatitis. And then Masawa never actually beat him, you know, to become the man. In wrestling history, I don't think there's that many points in time where you can see a physical match where someone really becomes the man. Um, and this match is it. I mean, really, they they would go back to Masawa at some points when Kabashi was out injured. But up to his death, Masawa was never the man, and Kabashi took the torch from this point, had a three-year run um, throughout Noah. And uh, this match is emotional, but this is the match I was talking about when you was talking about the crowd reactions, where in this match they actually are pretty pro-Misawa. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a, it, I think this is kind of the end, to me this is the end of the All Japan that is my favorite style of wrestling of all time. This is the absolute finish, and they probably do too much. In fact, they do. I mean, they do have suplexes and everything off the apron, but they also do sell it. They also do emphasize it, and, and the finish of this match is very uh, culminative, where once again, um, you know, Kabashi has this move called the Burning Hammer part, and he's only done it a handful of times, and, in history it's like his tiger driver 91 yeah and he's done it he's been able to hit it on masawa in tag matches but never in the big singles and he pretty much goes for it from the the 98 match 99 match this one and here he's able to finally hit it and masawa does not kick out and it's a uh, just a beautiful moment of the uh the guard passing
2: did, did anything else didn't you say 2003 yes isn't that a bit late it is late.
0: it I mean that's the thing with this and that's why I think I mean there th- th- this is a match where I fully expect um well now Marty I know is really high on this and some other people like I mean Alan 4l but this this is a match I I, I bet Dylan does not really like this match and says it's excessive but yeah at To me, in this point in time, you know, when you talk about like how far can you go, well, this match changed the course of a promotion. So, when you're talking about a match like that with that gratitude, when you're talking about decades of history that these two men have, if you're going to do that definitive of a match, because they never had a singles match after this, this is it as far as uh you know i mean they did a little comedy noah does a christmas comedy show and they wrestled each other but as a high profile singles match serious match they never did one this is, this is the climax of this feud that had been raging first when they were partners and then when they split up so if you're if you're ever going to give in to excess to me this is the time to do it and i didn't think it was reckless like i said i think they sold it and uh you know, I talked about going swimming with the doshi tag earlier. This was another one where i uh I was on my way to work, and I was decided to watch this match, and I didn't realize how long it was and This is a match that I ended up late for work because not only did I watch the match, but I sat and reflected on it for like ten minutes after it happened. <laughs> So,
2: when did you, I did, you was your boss like, uh, well,
0: that, they, they asked me what happened, and I had to like lie and make up some like car trouble, but it was really this marriage uh,
2: uh, that's really funny, yeah. Why, are you, why are you labor work, Chad? Uh, I was reflecting on uh, Masao versus uh, Kabashi from uh, 2003. <laughs> but
0: this is, I, 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 I do think, Parv, once you once you finish the All Japan Excite series, you know, last time I said you definitely should extend it to that Masawa versus Akiyama match, which I was glad people championed that in our pro wrestling only thread, but uh, I would give this match a look too because cause this is really the true end of uh, the four pillars for me
2: Alright, well, I surely will um, and uh, yeah, okay, well my number 6 is actually a match that we've already discussed, Chad it's uh, the Jumbo Tenryu versus Choshu Yatsu tag from 128 to 86 so uh, it's on to you you want number 6 my number
0: 6 is a match we've also discussed is Sangre Chicano versus MS1 um, from 1983 yeah, I think this is one of the greatest brawls of all time Um, again, I, I said about Kandori versus Hokuto that there's uh, kind of hate there that's only equaled in uh, Magnum Tully and that's that's here as well for me um, yeah my, my this is my highest lucha match of all time
2: okay um, well are you ready for this Chad? It's my number five alright you've been waiting for it it's uh, of course Derek. Dory Funk Junior, Terry Funk versus the Sheik and Abdullah the Butcher, nine nineteen seventy-eight.
0: I'd actually forgotten about this and I cannot believe it is number five.
2: <laughs> now you knew this was coming. And I don't know, I still you see, to me, I don't know why you're laughing, because I think this match I mean you talk about things that transcend wrestling, things that become personal, things that are a magnum and tully level type thing. To me, this has everything. This match, it, it has like insane heat. Um, the, I mean, this is the match I was referring to earlier with the post match, where. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what ha- what happened is is that in the storyline, Abdullah had kind of attacked Terry Funk's arm, um, and then obviously in this match they come out cheating, doing all their usual bullshit, you know, t- t- the foreign object stuff, etc., and. Terry gets uh, injured at some point, and Dory. D- in fact, they did this quite a lot where Dory goes two on one, um, and uh, Terry's kind of out on the floor injured, type thing. Something happens in this match, and Dory just kind of snaps. And, uh, you know, you, you know. You, whatever you say about dory you can say that he's not a very emotional guy <laughs> um which is an understatement uh he very rarely loses his temper he was his whole deal was being cool and calm and not giving anything away here he just goes absolutely insane um and starts beating on cheek to the point where it seems like he he's actually going to kill him like he's he's smashing him in the in like he's beating him and beating him he goes and gets the actual ring bell um and like you almost get a moment where you even feel like if the sheik wasn't so evil you might even start feeling sorry for him because he he, like he's literally like this is going to be murder you know you you expect the police to show up because dory has hit this point where he is like he's lost it you know he's this is completely psychopathic in a way that you don't really see ever i would say i, I can't remember seeing a, a freak out like this in um in any of the matches we've we've talked about the closest would probably be maybe cena in that jbl match
0: yeah and uh, I, I guess for dory probably the closest he ever came was when he brawled with uh, brody in like 81 right
2: yeah probably probably that like brody also brings that out in him um and then Dory like starts beating on the the Sheik's uh, hand, like tr- like he's literally trying to break his. He's beating on it with a bell. He's smashing it with a with his fist. Like hundreds of young boys are coming in, and he's like be- like th- throwing referees out of the ring. Uh, Dory like Abdullah and Terry are, um, you know, back up and brawling. With I don't know, it's absolute chaos. Hun- like loads of people around, and the Sheik is like he's kind of completely broken by the end of this like he he he's got his hand almost like a claw if you can imagine, and um there are these kind of moments where he's like even though he's defeated even though he's broken, the Sheik just hates the funk so much that he's still he's still despite everything trying to trying to get back there and th- anyway for me this whole this whole deal um is like well I mean I've put it number five in my uh, list here I think it's one of the greatest things ever in wrestling history and is uh, much slept on because um, people tend to talk about that 79 match more than this one if they do talk about this um, uh, feud at all uh, so there it is I've 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 said I've said my piece Chad
0: what's the uh, actual date so I get on my spreadsheet
2: it's it's 9.1978. Okay, that is what I had And uh, for me, you want to talk about, like, so, like, we talk about Kawada's uh, leg cell job. Yeah. I would like put the, the arm she- here. I would put the Sheik's cell job here up with any, like, any selling of a body part ever. And the one other thing I want to say is, in the context of the Sheik, who never got his comeuppance, who burnt out detroit through constant fireball bullshit five minute matches you know that bloody thing in the thing in the sand pit with tiger jeet singh or whatever he did mark lewin and all this sheik never got pinned never got his comeuppance this is like the ultimate payoff for all of that i mean even though that's not how it's book type thing you could see it as a symbolic kind of like Ultima, evil comes up against, retribution finally, and it takes somebody who's usually calm like Dory, snapping and seeing red in order to, to bring it about type thing. So, there it is.
0: Well, there you have it. Um, so, that means that coming out of the way. Uh, now... Know your top four, I'm fairly confident, but I don't know the order, so that'll be interesting. Alright, so uh, my number five is uh, a match we've talked about, we've referenced quite a bit, and it's Magnum versus Tully, I Quit, Starcade 1985, uh, a, a match that kind of makes me queasy still watching it. We've talked about it, but it reaches an emotional level that... Uh, you just don't see it in wrestling i mean there's some visceral yeah. crazy it's it's animalistic almost it's it's a yeah. weird level
2: and you 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 what i want to say is that you see into their souls you know you, right. and and you kind of like uh feel the humiliation of tully you feel like you know,
0: Yeah, you almost feel sorry for him until you remember how much of a jerk he is. It's, yeah, and the-
2: I mean, like, uh, I'm a little bit surprised that the match is that low, actually, Chad. So <laughs> I think five is a slightly low rating for it. Um, but uh, th- I just want to, I don't want to harp on uh, the, the, the but given that we have both of these matches at five, uh, I feel exactly that same thing that you said for Tully, for the Sheik in that whole, steal I think it gets to that kind of level where it's actually humiliated, like he's been humiliated and he's been through it type thing. Um, I think it has the same thing, which is why I'm so high on that match as well. Um, my Magnum Tully is a little bit higher, as you'll see. <laughs> um, what's your thinking about only having it five, Chad? That's ridiculous.
0: Well, there's four better matches.
2: Four, four better yeah, matches. I mean,
0: you, you have... <laughs> two of them on your list so that's two of them and the other two uh, you haven't gotten to yet so there you go
2: well my my number four is Masawa versus Kawada 6394
0: six okay. and my number four is Masawa versus Kawada 6394
2: <laughs> what about that yes now would you say it's slightly controversial having that at four um
0: yeah possibly I mean I I, I think you, we, we talked about earlier If we did like a list with a lot of people Doing their top 100 um, oh. That the, the, Would we get the same results I think This match would probably Be my odds on favorite That if you did like a weighted point Value this would probably be The number one match Right maybe another one Um I just don't see many people have watched even, or dabbled in Japanese wrestling not having this match ranked really high.
2: So, Tiger Driver 91. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. i reviewed this pretty recently on the All Japan Excite uh, series where obviously we both gave it five stars. It is one of the best matches of all time. Um, All the work is superb. The finish is just, oh my god, holy shit. You know? Um, I don't know. just a, just a great match? Or anything to add, Chad? No,
0: I mean, I, I I do think it gets enriched. I mean, this is a match where at this point now I've seen it eight, nine, ten times, and it doesn't lose anything on any viewing. And I think that really helps it helps propel it for me. Um, yeah. so I was able to predict it as your number four. So let's see if I can get your top three in the correct order. <laughs> it's a mini game here.
2: My uh, well, my three is Magnum Tully. Oh
0: yes, I got that one right too. Awesome! <laughs> I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> what's, what's, your, what's your number three? Well, man, man.
0: I, I guess I guess we gotta talk about this now, and uh, well, I guess we you can decide because my number three is Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat Clash of oh. the Champions six.
2: Unbelievable chad i feel like you've betrayed me <laughs> <laughs> you know i we i mean we reviewed this match at length i think our review of this match is almost as long as the match itself chad.
0: yeah yeah probably um, our favorite match review i think we've done where we've yeah. in depth um match, and for both of us our favorite of the trilogy um I don't I know I get you know there, of course there's a lot of different opinions but I just 55 minutes I always felt engaged you kind of see the whole spectrum to me of Flair as a as a wrestler um throughout his career and steamboat certainly no slouch either so amazing yeah. I I think
2: the thing that isn't isn't commented on enough is the fact that it's worked like a sprint and it goes as long as it does. Right. And they never let up. They never let up for a second. Sixteen elbow drops. Um anyway, what's your uh what's your number uh two oh, no, it's my turn for number two, isn't it? Yeah? Chad? Okay. I can, I can now. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I'm crossing my fingers to see if I got this order right. i think thinking oh. I mixed them up.
2: No, my number two is Jumbo versus Tenreverses oh. five eighty nine.
0: Yeah, so I reversed it. So I guess you can go ahead and reveal that. Uh,
2: oh, obviously, my number one, yeah, is Flair versus Steamboat from Clash six.
0: All right, so uh, talk about Tenry versus Jumbo. Do you want to kind of compare these both from 1989?
2: Yeah, both from 1989, both signature feuds, I would say. Um, Jumbo Tenryu is all about a long storyline paying off through um, them being tag partners, um, then through Tenryu kind of turning on Jumbo, being like... And it's a clash of ideologies, a clash of values. You know, Jumbo stands for the traditions of All Japan. He's like the... He's he's the ace, he's Barber's boy, he's the golden boy type thing. Tenryu is the you know, he's don't forget Tenryu's like a year older than Jumbo, right? So it's not like a so it's like kind of the rebel versus the versus the kind of kid who's told what Yeah. T- does does as he's told type thing. Right. Um and um like the dynamic is so amazing between those two. I just love the sheer kind of contempt that Tenryu has for Jumbo and Jumbo's just utter kind of like he's just so affronted by Tenryu's disrespect. Um I don't know, it, it, it probably speaks to Japanese culture in a way in ways that even we like we don't understand, even though we have this understanding of Japanese wrestling. Um and for me is one of the perfect uh, blow off matches uh, in a in a feud, um, amazing result uh, to it as well. Um, kind of a pity that Tenryu had to leave. Um, in a way, uh, but I guess in another way, um, we wouldn't get a lot of the Masawa stuff if he if he'd stayed. I guess. Um, so, yeah, for me, I was a little bit surprised that you weren't high on it, Chad. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean. I added it at ten, um, so it's not like I'm low. But
2: uh... yeah, I mean, I guess when we're talking about stuff at this level, but like for me, this is like in contention for. Obviously, you know, it was really a close call between this and Clash Six, uh, which we've talked about. So, drum roll, then let's uh, let's hear your top two.
0: So my uh, number two is. Uh and then uh, Marty kind of mentioned in the thread that he thought he knew what my number one match is. And I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and think that he thought it was my number two. And that is uh, Masawa and Kobashi versus Kawada and Tao from 6 nineteen ninety five. 1995 Now this one's another usual suspect of the this is essentially the tag version of six three ninety four as far yeah. as the all japan usual suspects, but um I mean, you haven't seen this, which is incredible to think about, but uh I mean in some ways it's like if you combine the finishing stretch of masawa Kabashi versus uh the five twenty one ninety four match that you had at number thirteen, you combine that finishing stretch. With the uh, emotional impact and storytelling that's in the twelve three ninety three match, and tack on an incredible ending like Masawa versus Jumbo six eight ninety, you get this match. Right, it is just everything rolled into one. And for a uh, for a few year stretch in the mid two thousands up to even when I was married on Christmas Day, I would watch this match. I uh, just kinda as a gif to myself. Right.
2: um Yeah, so uh did, does Jennifer ever say like there's three of us in this marriage? Yeah. Like uh, with with wrestling as the as the third.
0: Yeah. So uh this is actually a match Jennifer has watched. Um and uh you know, I mean up to a certain point with the Japanese match it's I mean, you know, she's not gonna call it one of the greatest things she's ever seen, but uh, but she certainly kind of said that they were working at a pace that she was unfamiliar with, and the action was dramatic. The crowd heats off the page. Um, Yeah, this this, is. We do this list again. This might be my number one. It's possible.
2: So, so this is, I think, on the very next All Japan site we're going to watch uh, this
0: one. No, I think it's no? two out. Yeah,
2: two, two out. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just tell you, Chad, that um, obviously we're a little bit behind on them because I've been uh, busy. Um, but we're we're thinking about doing like uh, a little marathon of three of like three shows in one type thing, um, just to you know, Steve, how Stephen uh, has all of the uh, like he has he literally had the entire run planned out month by month. Right. I think we're now like three months behind, so we're we, we may have to kind of do this three-in-one show uh, where we're going to watch a lot of these ninety-five matches all in all in one. Uh, nice, all in one. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I have no doubt that it will. When when we redo a lot of these matches from the which I haven't got to yet, are probably going to make it. You know, sure. Uh, there's no like there's no reason not to think that uh, based on the rest of my list. Right. So, so what's number one then?
0: Number one, Masawa versus Kobashi. Like I said, my most popular pairing on my top 100. And, uh, this is their match from January 20th, 1997. It's not in Budokan. It's in Osaka. This was the second Puro match I've ever, uh, watched. And it's really when I got it, Parv. Um, you talk about like seminal moments in wrestling and your fandom overall. And I I thinking back now on how I even came across a tape as a tape dealer who's still out there. Um, but, uh, I got a, uh, I got the new year's giant series, which had Masala versus Kawada from January, 1999 as my first Puro match. And I liked it. It was fine. um, but then I also got this in the mail as well and I I can't think now why I picked those two tapes I just did and uh, so me as a 15 year old kid watching this this is when I really kind of got wrestling and it was like a rebirth Um, this is when I stepped out from uh, I mean in some ways I think this is when I became like a, a lifer and to this extent where now I'm doing a podcast with you where there's other emotional moments I've talked in the past about like flair vapor paper I realized kind of how much wrestling meant to me and that's what I get to eventually I don't know where the big boys play but uh, but this match is kind of a confirmation of this wrestling is my hobby I have other interests. I have a naturally kind of addictive personality where I get into other stuff like binge-watching TV shows, playing board games, keeping up with sports, and other stuff. But at the core of this and at my life, it has been pro wrestling, and this match was the catalyst for that. And every time I've watched this match and subsequent viewings, it's just reconfirmed that. And when I watched it for the yearbook, um, I I got the 97 yearbook in uh, mid-2013. And uh, I'd just gotten off a cruise with my wife at the time, Uh, Jennifer. We'd just gotten off a cruise. And when I got back home, I had the uh, yearbook waiting for me. And in 2013, we'd have been married for not quite five years. Um, now we're, our anniversary is actually on Sunday for seven years. But at that point in time, we were sort of at a, um, I guess, a little uh, crossroads of our marriage where you know we were talking about kids and kind of felt like we were sort of in a funk and just sort of that cruise revitalized that. And as things, you know, as stuff happens with our moods in life part, as a result of that, my wrestling was kind of deep down too. And, and when I watched this match right after that, you know, I'd felt a shot of adrenaline in my marriage and in my personal life, and re-watching this match with the 97-year book kind of reconfirmed that also in my, quote-unquote, wrestling hobby life, and gave me that extra shot of adrenaline. We just launched a uh, Place to Be Nation a few months before, I now all of a sudden had these tremendous friends in my life. It was a great time, um for the first time and besides like my family, I was outward with my wrestling fandom. I was kind of very forward with it at work and in other social circumstances, and It's just I kind of embraced that this is who I am, you can accept me, and this match in a weird way is has a lot of responsibility for that. And at its core, though, even beyond all that emotional connection, which I cannot separate from this match, um, it's a great match. It has tremendous arm work, it has brilliant storytelling, it has a Tiger Driver 91 parf, and it has uh, Masawa just being the ace. And, you know, like an old gunslinger sheriff in the Old West using his old Remington pistol, Masawa has his elbow, which is that equalizer that you know you have to get rid of to extinguish him. And Kobashi stops at nothing to try to prevent that. And it's just a wild ride to see if Masawa will hang on. Um, so, So this is just a match that... I adore, and it's a part of me. So, uh, to me, this matches wrestling.
2: Wow. Well, I mean, I don't know what to say after that, Chad. But uh, I, I guess uh, wrestling and uh, our lives are connected in a in a way that is closer than you might think sometimes. Um, especially when you could get to that realization that you know it's going to be a constant companion, no matter what you uh, do. Um, and I think you know, embracing it and being able to say, you know, this is who, who I am, is uh, t- t- as well. I mean, for me, it took a very long time. I think I was basically already in my thirties before yeah. I was even willing to tell anyone I was a fan. You know, so right. it's,
0: it's, I mean, I mean, there's some, there's, there's, there's still a stigma and a sense of embarrassment. And I know with like our culture now of the nerd culture being in. It does certainly
2: help that. Um, But, yeah. But, I I mean, weirdly, even within nerd circles...
0: It's still viewed pretty lovely. It's still
2: kind of like, oh, yeah. So, like, my gaming buddies say, or... Like, they would still find it as some, you know, as as a chink in my armor that they can... Right. You know, it's... Men in tights, type. Right. You know how can you watch that type thing? Are you gay? All of this sort of thing. You know, it's kind of like, um, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, it's funny that you uh, talked about watching, um, uh, watching the your number two match with uh with Jennifer because uh, I think it was something. I think it was maybe um, uh, six three ninety four or it was something like that that I had on, but back when I was home. Um, back when I was at my parents, and my dad's reaction was the same as it always is. Doesn't matter what it. Do you still watch this shit? That's what he said to me. You know. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I. mean, as for my number one, Chad. Um, you know, for me, Flair Steamboat is wrestling. You know, it says, sure. it says. We 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 talked about it at length, but like those two guys represent so many different things you know the family and the and the um you know the family guy who's loyal to his wife and his as his kid there at their ringside and flair who's just like comes out with all the women and um yeah i, I don't know i i just think that uh to me uh flair steamboat is his wrestling type thing but then i reckon you could say that about any of the matches in my top 10 even top 15 I would say I'd be happy to say this match is wrestling you know so um, and I'm sure I'll be pretty high on that 97 match when I get to it too
0: I, I mean I think well I know some other I mean Pete Elf just recently watched it and he said you know this may be a match of the decade contender so it's it's not I guess it's I mean in, in the confines of 1990s all Japan it's usually six three ninety four, six nine ninety five, twelve six ninety six, and one twenty ninety seven. Those are kind of your top four matches, sort of the general consensus. Yeah. Um. But in a lot of ways, I think one twenty ninety seven for some people is the number four in that grouping. Um. And I think six three ninety four and six nine ninety five are kind of in a tier above. Um, but yeah, there's just something. It's it's there's just some. Not, I mean, like I said with six nine ninety five. I mean, I watched it on Christmas for four or five years, just because like in one of my favorite days of the year, you know, consistently year after year is Christmas Day. I wanted to have a piece of wrestling in that. And with 12097, I mean, I just can't help but think about portions in my life where this match has somehow been around those important junctures in my life. And I, I, I mean, in some ways, it can be seen as oh, this is goofy. You know, why do I care so much about this hobby? And, you know, sometimes when we get into arguments on the message board part, people are like, why do you take this serious? So serious. It's wrestling is supposed to be fun. As a mentality, some people have. Well, I, I mean, I'll just say it like, there, there is a place that it is a hobby. It is supposed to be fun. You should value other things in your life, probably ahead of watching pro wrestling. But. I do take this serious. I've invested a lot of time, so I care greatly. I mean, like, even presenting this list, I put a lot of thought into.
2: Yeah. So if there's one takeaway from this show, Chad, it's that you are a massive pro wrestling nerd. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I can't really uh, say anything because, uh, you know, I've been sitting here all this time and I've got my own list and I've probably spent, you know, Um, I don't get through the quantities of footage that you seem to be able to, but I I reckon I do get through my fair share as well. Um, And uh, certainly when it comes to reviewing the matches and taking time over thinking, like, why why do I like this match and why don't I like this match type thing. um, I've devoted more time to that than uh, a lot of people, I would suggest. Um, So yes it has increasingly become uh, an important part of my life too so any final thoughts or should we leave it there I,
0: I mean i think our list can speak for ourselves we appreciate all the feedback like we said for part one keep it coming for part two i enjoy doing this and you know like we seem to be talking about uh, i don't want to get extremely mushy part but we're just thankful that we have a following and that people listen to us and uh, it's really appreciated and it means a lot to both me and Parf.
2: Uh, yeah absolutely and uh, this was a kind of uh, like we said a thank you to uh, to supporting us for the past three years Um, and I, I will say as well I mean okay maybe the prospect of doing a top 100 will be extremely daunting for most people um, I mean, it actually was for me when I actually sat, sat down and started doing it. Um, but uh, I would be interested to see what sort of matches that people would have in their lists. Are there any, like, glaring omissions, for example? I'm sure there are lots of, you know, I'd imagine in some circles, Chad, something I'm just off the top of my head, something like uh, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam. So. Right. <laughs> like, we didn't even mention that, you know? It's not cuz we haven't seen it or we haven't considered it. It's just that we're not that high on the match, right? Um yeah I, I uh yeah, it didn't make the list. <laughs> um but I'm just like if you really feel strongly say that that match should be represented or whatever, I I'd, I'd love to I'd love to hear your reasons why. Um this is like the start of a conversation or the end of one. So um yeah, don't be scared to let us know your your views. All right let uh, we're back, back to business as usual. Next time for Beach Blast ninety
0: two. Yep, let's do it, Parf.
1: Fans, for all of us here at WCW Center Stage, for Cowboy Bill Watts and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. I'm Jim Ross saying good night, everybody.